2: Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.
3: Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts.
6: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
8: NBA Top Shot is where the NBA's biggest fans buy, sell, and earn officially licensed video collectibles. Rip packs or purchase individual limited edition moments. From your marketplace to build your ultimate collection. From rookies to legends, now you can flex your fandom by owning the greatest moments of your favorite players and teams. Your collection can even earn a -a once-in-a-lifetime, money-can't-buy experience. NBA Top Shot users have already attended private events with superstars like Klay Thompson, rising stars like Cade Cunningham, and even all-time greats like Magic Johnson. Your entire collection of NBA Top Shot moments never loses quality and are accessible by any device. So they're always at your fingertips. Rep your team, flex your fandom, and own the greatest moments from the NBA, exclusively from NBA Top Shot. Sign up today at nbatopshot.com and kickstart your collection with your first pack. Welcome back, all the smoke, Atlanta, day two. Day two. Yesterday was a good day, man.
7: Man, we always killing Atlanta.
8: And then we finished it off at your house, laughing and joking. Yeah. And then, uh, man, today, special. We finally got a chance to, 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 to finish the inside the NBA roster yes, off. Yes, yes, yes. And it's only right,
9: man, we finish with the one and only Charles Barkley, man. Sir thank Charles. You. Hey, man. Thank you. Hey, man. Number <laughs> one, I just want to say I'm proud of you guys, man. Thank you. I'm proud of you for your success. I mean, not the NBA, because that's that's just talent. Mm-hmm. But you have to find a way to figure out, like, how am I going to make money the What's rest next? of my life? <laughs> so I'm proud of y'all, man. Keep doing y'all thing. And thanks it, for having man. me. Thanks you paving for me the way. Like, y'all had me, no big-ass Shaq in here? Yeah, man. Right. Yeah, we had Shaq. We had him. to have him
7: at a sports bar, because, you know, he wanted to eat while we did the interview.
9: <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> he, is he the biggest... 50-year-old kid. kid in the history of civilization.
8: I played with Shaq. on the saying he was walking around naked, tackling trainers naked, fucking with pl- Like, Shaq was a menace. But as soon as the ball went up, it all switched.
9: Man, we can be walking around the studio mind our own business. That big motherfucker just tackled for no yeah. reason. I'm like, yo, man. And he's not little, neither. He's huge. First of all, he's the biggest human being in the right. world. In the world. <laughs> in the world. But, got- but he got a pure heart, man. Oh, great I got guy. a great
7: relationship with him, Chuck. I'm in court for a traffic ticket and, and I had something else in my car and I'm sitting there um, thinking, don't know what's about to happen. The judge, uh, like, stand up Mr. Jackson. Uh, he's like, give me a second. I'm like, you know this guy, it's Shaq on FaceTime. They dropped all my charges. You're talking
8: to the judge? Yes. <laughs> the judge just <laughs> he, said, hold
7: yeah. up. So, as soon as I sat down, he's like, stand up for a second. Didn't even t- say nothing to me. called Shaq. He's like, you know this guy, And Shaq making a face on FaceTime and they dropped all my charges. <laughs> That's dope. You know, it's so,
9: it's, it's Shaq is the most random dude, like, one day, we stood in the studio. He's like, yo, say hello. I'm like, who? Say hello. It's Dr. Phil. <laughs> i like, Dr. Phil. He, he FaceTiming Dr. Phil. And then, like, uh, one time, he's like, my man, Ron, who's, like, the animal expert. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's like, hey, say hello. And I'm like, who is it this time? It's Ron, the expert from uh, down in Florida. I mean, he is the funny. Like, Random. Dude, how the hell are you FaceTiming Dr. Phil? He all Random. over the place. Yeah, he yeah. all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks.
8: Uh, man, speaking of Shaq. Being a big human, you look good. We just noticed you said yeah, you finally got your two hips replaced. You're down about 50 pounds. Talk to us about that.
9: Man, I, you know what? It's getting weird. I'll be 60, mm. which is crazy. This year? Like, shit, next month. Like a month. <laughs> nice. Not next year. That right. This year, like in a month. Right. You know, I was talking to Dr. J recently, and he's like, yeah. Cause when I got to the NBA, him and Mosey were like 35. We call them gramps
10: mm-hmm.
8: at
9: 35. Right. Now I'm like... You know, me and my boys are like, yeah, man, you know, we're going to be 60, like, in a month. We got to do something. <laughs> That's a blessing. So, but my doctor told me, man, especially, you know, being black, we don't take good care of ourselves. when it, You know, one, obesity and mm-hmm. diabetes and things like that is rampant in our communities. Yeah. And I had gotten really fat, to be honest with you. I'd, gained a, uh, I'd just gotten out of shape just for just being lazy, first mm-hmm. and foremost, because... I was in pain all the time. I'm like, I'm tired of working out. Shit, right. I worked out my whole life. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just got tired. Then my hips got bad. And my doctor, he said, I'm gonna give you new hips. He said, but you gotta lose weight, man. He said, I see a lot of fat young people. I don't see no fat old people. Mm-hmm. He told me to get my ass in shape. So in the last few months, I'm down about right at 50. But I got yeah. I gained like 92. Wow. You know, because you can't do anything when you get those hips. Uh-huh. So my goal in the next year, I So realistically, I played at 250. I can't get there. So I was up to 350. So my goal is to get to 270. And 270, you don't drop dead, hopefully being 20 pounds overweight. But I don't, you can drop dead and get diabetes and high blood if you're like 60, 70, Mm -hmm. 80 pounds overweight. So right now I feel great. I'm down 50. My goal is to get to about 270 Hey, and get back to- Change your
8: diet or just You gotta change
9: your diet. Okay. I, I'm trying. Like it's tough. Well, you know, it's crazy. What's really weird? I only eat rice, corn, and potatoes. And clearly, everybody tries to tell me those are starches, which I don't know what the hell that means.
10: And <laughs> me <neither. laughs> Yeah,
9: like so. I'm trying to eat Brussels sprouts. Mm. It, it's only two vegetables I really can stomach. To be honest with you, Brussels sprouts because you can put like a little turkey bacon in them. Yeah, and 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 roasted cauliflower. You know, yeah. so, you know, I I like, like, okra. I'm not eating that shit. Yeah, I ain't uh, eat it. Avocado. <laughs> um, but look, things like that. So, but like I say, it, you got to eat, because you can't, at, at our age, Yeah, you guys are a lot younger than me, I can't work out enough to yeah. eat bad. Right. I mean, because they, like, when I was in my prime, I told people my pregame meals, I got two fish fillets, a large fry, and a mm. Diet Coke. That was
8: my pregame meal. You finished off with the Diet Coke. Well, <laughs> I want to,
9: uh, to, to. The, to the Diet right. Coke. I, I was like, let me wash this down with a Diet Coke. <laughs> but it was, it was crazy the shit you could eat when you're like 21, right. 22. Anything. I mean, anything. Yeah. Right on. I was like, after practice, you're driving home. I'm like, man, let me pick up me two fish fillets, mm-hmm. a large fry. Yeah. You wash that thing down with that big Diet Coke. Yeah. Take my pregame nap. I'm good to Ready go. Ready to go. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Like, right now, you pass McDonald's. You gain weight. You don't even look at it. Yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's funny.
8: Uh, man, recently signed a 10-year ex- mega extension with TNT. Congratulations no, on that. Thank you, man. Talk to us about that process, because I don't know if it was true. Rumors that the Live Golf were trying to
9: recruit you, and you, there was you know, some back I, and forth. I had no problem with Live. I told my boys, because some of those guys, my friends, they asked me my opinion on Live. Mm-hmm. I said, yo, man, we're not the moral police. All right. The United States do business with China the NBA do business with China, Saudi Arabia, and everything like that. Don't fall for the selective outrage. And I said, go take that money. You got to take care of your family. I ain't yep. going to say, hey, don't take money from here. Or here. Mm-hmm. I said, because if people actually knew where all their money came from, nobody would be working. Right. Facts. Yeah, fact. That's facts. And I said, so TNT called me in, because my magic number was 60, right around there. You know, I've been so lucky and blessed. I played in the NBA for 16 years, been on television for 22, going on 23.
7: Underpaid, though. Yeah, no, but career. I'm saying
9: if I don't have enough money by now, I'm the biggest <laughs> fuck hey, I'm the biggest eater <laughs> in the world. If, it, if I ain't got enough cash by now, yeah. I said, guys, I'm winding down. Because one thing I'm very realistic about, when I'm around old NBA players, I know my shit ain't going to be working later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't care. I've got, the, op- I got the, the privilege to be Charles Barkley, and the greatest life ever. Mm-hmm. But whatever happens down the line, because for my body being worn down, beat up, it's all good. I got to build my mama house, my grandmother house, I got to send my nieces to college. I've lived a great life. And I know my body, whatever happens down the line, happens. It is. So I want to be able to like travel the world, mm-hmm. enjoy life for the next few years before it all kicks in. Oh, shit, I could drop dead next week. It is what it is, I ain't upset about that. I've lived 60 years, a mm-hmm. great life. Mm-hmm. So I say, hey, I wanna wind down. And they said to me, listen, this is the deal. We need you. And I love TNT, they've been great to me. They says, we gonna have to bid on the NBA mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, we're paying like $2.5 billion a year. Mm-hmm. That number's going to be close to probably $4 billion in, in, a, in a couple of years. And they said, we need you to stay on if we're going to bid that type of money. And I said, well, I really want to wind down. They're like, well, we need you to stay at least X amount of years, three or four or five, somewhere in there. But we just want to make sure if you still want to keep working, we want to sign for ten years. I said, "There's no chance I'm gonna fucking be here in ten years. I'm <laughs> fucking seventy years old." Mm-hmm. And I said, "I will stay through the transition if y'all bid on the NBA." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Because you guys been great to me, so they so I signed for ten years. I don't I don't think there's zero chance I'm gonna make it for ten years, mm-hmm. but those negotiations are gonna start in the next year." Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's probably gonna be the the thing that scares them and they're worried about. You know, you saw with the NFL, Amazon came in. Streaming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and bought the NFL. I think the NBA is gonna listen to Apple. Mm -hmm. It's gonna want sports now, apparently, Mm -hmm. and Amazon. So that number could be way more than three or four billion dollars, because Apple and Amazon got all that cash. Mm -hmm. So the next three years, are going to be very interested in the sports world. But I told them, hey, you guys have been great to me. I don't want to hang you out to dry. Right. If y'all going to bid on the NBA, I'll stay through the transition. I was happy to sign the deal because they were great. But, man, you know, I've been so lucky. Uh, I want to thank Dick Ebersaw, my mentor, who mm-hmm. mentioned television to me because you guys are in the same boat as me. Hey, man, when this shit over, you're like, I ain't got no job. What I'm going to (laughs) do. What I'm going to do. And I tell brothers this, especially brothers, yo, man, you got to find something to do because you're still young. You ain't going to have no income coming in. And you got to find a way to keep making money. That's why I told you at the beginning, I'm proud of y'all for doing y'all thing because, man, I call it an owl. The owl syndrome. Because I get guys who call me. They're like, yo, man, I need some shoes. I'm like... Dude, you would blah, blah, like call get some shoes. You're like, yeah, man, I'm an owl now. You know, you know, people call it, like, who? Stephen Who? <laughs> Matt Who? Like, like when you call and try to get tickets and, and yeah. shoes and things. Like you yeah. become an owl, I call it. And I says, Oh, you are an owl now. I said, Yep, I don't get no free stuff anymore. But so you gotta find a way to stay in the game. And I was so lucky because of Dick episode to go right into television. But man, you got that's why you gotta start, number one, you gotta save your money. You got to plan for the future, and you got to figure out what you want to do, because you got to find something to do, because 24-7, with nothing to do, is dangerous. How long you been at TNT? 22. I'm going on 23 now. So
7: them 10 years going to fly by. Them 22 years flew by. Them
9: 10 years going to fly by. Yeah, they going to fly by. (laughs) You know, but Jack, my thing is, man, I want to travel the world and enjoy my life before I, you know, Yeah. because, man, the stuff that we do to our bodies ain't normal. Yeah. And... I don't call names, but when I go see some of the old all-time greats and see the shape they're in, yeah. like, playing sports, it ain't the be- it, no. it's the greatest job in the world, but Beat it ain't the best up. thing
7: for your body. Beat your body up. Yeah,
9: it gets your ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets you. Did
8: you see, I mean, obviously the, the, the transition, you may look seamless and fun, but did you see yourself? I mean, like you said, you're going on year 23 of talking about basketball.
9: No, I had no idea. So when Dick Ebersol called me one day, he says, "Charles, you want to get together for dinner?" I said, "Of course," because you guys, I, y'all probably remember. You know, NBA started on NBC. Mm-hmm.
8: Yeah.
9: I tell people all the time, it's so funny being old. All these motherfuckers think there's always been. Everybody had a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> they the think internet. there's. I like. I'm so old. There was no ESPN when we started. Mm-hmm. We flew commercial. My first three or four years in the NBA, we flew commercial. Wow. I mean, that's how crazy, that's how that's how long ago it was. And Dick Ebersole said to me, what do you think about going on television? I says, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, obviously, I got to play a couple more years, but I don't know. What, he says, I think you'll be good on TV. He said, I think I think you'll be great on TV. He said, you're always going to be in trouble. I'm like,
10: what does that <laughs> mean? He says,
9: clearly, somewhere along the way, you made up your mind. You are always just going to be honest and deal with the ramifications. I said, well, that was actually interesting because when I first started becoming a star, I think I was my third, at the end of my second year, my third year in the NBA, because my first few years in the NBA, nobody talked to me. Mm -hmm. It was Doc, Moses, Maurice Cheeks, Andrew, Tony, Bobby Jones. I was the rookie, Motherfucker didn't even mention me, didn't come to me. So, when those guys started getting older, And then at the end of my second year, I started having success. My third year, I think I made the All-Star team. And it was a, so they started coming to me and I really wanted everybody to like me. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, you know, I was trying to answer every question politically correct and blah, blah, blah. And I pulled Dr. J aside one day. I said, Doc, I'm having a hard time. He says, yeah, this is a very slow, and he, he, him and Moses probably were the two great influences for me talking about like, Moods got me in shape. But Doc says, now, you, this is a very slippery slope, trying to answer every question, like, right. and not right. make him or him or her make it, not making them mad. And he says, it's, 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 it's impossible to do that. He says, so you're going to have to figure out how you want to handle this. He said, you can try to make everybody happy, or you can be honest. But with honesty, come repercussions, and I tried to do it the politically right, way in the beginning. And then I was like, I'm still getting shit from other people. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I'm going to be honest. He says, now they're going to be coming for you. Mm-hmm. You better be great at basketball, but you can get away with saying what you want to if you're great at basketball. If you suck at basketball <laughs> and you're honest, they're going to come get your ass. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I better be great at basketball. So when I was sitting with Mr. Ebersole at that meeting, he says, "You, what happened to make you be honest? He said, I tried pleasing everybody, and I realized I couldn't. You guys know, it's impossible. Right. How about try. a man about something? Dan, yeah. if you do,
8: Dan, if you Dan, don't. Yeah, so
9: I said, I'm just going to be honest and straightforward. And people get mad. Fuck them, they get mad. And I made that decision to just be a straight shooter. And he says, you're going to be great, but you're always going to be in trouble. Because people going to get mad at what you say. And that was kind of the turning point in this whole thing. And like I say, people get mad. And I've lost friends. And, you know, people get mad. But I can say this. I've never said anything on television personally about a person. I look at the situation. I try to be honest. I try to be fair. I've criticized the good ones. I've criticized the great ones. I've criticized the bad ones. But I, I actually feel, say I can honestly say, I think I've been very fair, especially as a player. Mm -hmm. Even when I have to criticize a player, I try to be fair about Mm
8: -hmm. it. That's really a, a kind of a common theme in the media right now. Obviously, former players transitioning, but then there almost being a disconnect between former players and current players based off what Former players are saying what he is that uh, sensitive it, players is that sometimes you guys feel like because you guys are greats that you can talk Shaq calls a g14 classified yeah. conversation. Like how do you feel that is right now?
9: Well, it, number one? That's a great question today's players hate anybody who say anything bad about them But the first advice that I left out of that story about dr. J the first thing he said to me Because I was pissed at some guys that said some things about me. He says Young fella, take a step back. He said, the first question is, is it true? I said, what? He says, when somebody says something about you, even if it's negative, it can be true. Right. You just might not want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, he says, don't get mad every time somebody says something. Like, first of all, they're doing their job. Mm -hmm. That's the media's job. Like, There's some guys I hate, number one, who... Everybody know I hate Skip Bayless, because I think he deliberately... When you're on television, it's a very powerful thing. Right. People in Idaho, Nebraska, South Dakota, Maine, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, they're like, well, this guy said it on television. Right. I believe it. So it must be. It must be true. So yeah. I'm very careful. Dude, you know, I never talk about people's personal life. You know, I and, and we've had some conversation about people's sexuality. I said, I don't comment on people's sexuality. I got plenty of gay friends, mm-hmm. I got plenty of transgender friends. That's off limits, mm-hmm. and, and I'm never gonna answer no questions like that. But I said I'm never gonna get in their personal business. That's not our business. But I'm, my criticism, or or if I said something positive, it's gonna be one hundred percent on basketball. Right. But there's guys I watch on television. I said, oh, he don't like that guy. You could tell with the yeah, emotion. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. so that ain't right. Mm-hmm. Your personal opinion should right. never ma- matter. Mm-hmm. Should never matter. Right. And he said to me. When somebody says something about you as a player, the first question is, is it true? And these guys today, if they hear something negative about them, they just going to react. And I don't get mad, Mm -hmm. uh, but I never go back at them either because the way these lightweight media people like, they love when y'all go back they and forth. They
7: yeah. They love when you they go back and yeah, so they're yeah, looking for it. See,
9: you see what Charles said about this guy? You see what he said back to Charles? Mm-hmm. You see what Charles said to him? I said, yo, man, don't get those lightweights.
7: Yeah. No
9: ammunition.
7: That's the only talent they have. That's
9: the only talent they have. <laughs> and, 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 and Jack, you know what's fun about it? They ain't never touched a ball in their uh, life. Nothing. Can't never touched a ball in their life.
8: Right. You and KD kind of have an interesting back and forth. When you guys see each other in portion, is it, uh, the, how, how is that situation a relationship? Or is there one?
9: He's always been cordial to me. Mm-hmm. I'm always gonna be cordial to him. He's taken some shots at me mm-hmm. and I've taken, he, see, KD doesn't get, uh, okay, so what I said was, I said, KD is a great, great player. He is a great, great player. He's sensitive, 100% sensitive. But what I said, and I stick by, I says, KD is a great, great player but he's going to have to win a championship without the Warriors to get the old head's respect. And I said, and I used the analogy, I said, Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest ever, said, I had to win a championship without Shaq. LeBron says, I had to win a championship without Dwayne and Chris. The rules are already there. Mm -hmm. Just because you don't want to follow the (laughs) rules, you can get mad and call me names. I'm just going to tell you, the way me and the old heads, and we talk about it. we like, hey, KD's a great, he's an, a really great player, but he going to have to win a championship before we put him up mm. here with these guys. And I said, I says, Kobe Bryant has said it. He says, hey, I had to win a championship without Shaq.
7: It's just, I mean, it's just, just simple. KD, KD won a championship on his own. People just going to look at him different. Totally that's just, different. That, that's just how it is. And I
9: said, and he can get mad. Mm-hmm. He can call me names and things. I says, hey, KD. I said, and LeBron, as much as I love LeBron, I said, yo man, we ain't gonna give your flowers until you win one without Dwayne. Mm-hmm. I said, you join them and y'all won. And he said, he says, I had to win one without Dwayne. Mm-hmm. That's like, yeah, those are the rules. <laughs> and you can get mad when guys say it, like, but those are the rules. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like my rules. Hey, I'm in the Hall of Fame, but I'm in a different wing than the guys who won the championship. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still
7: in the I, Hall of Fame, though. I
9: know, I yeah, but I'm saying though, Jack, hey. I understand. Mm -hmm. I understand the rules. Like, Charles are great. Karl Malone's great. Patrick Ewing's great. They're not at the table with Magic, Bird, LeBron, Kobe. It's levels to this shit. Mm. And I ain't mad at that. I understand that. Mm -hmm. Now, if I could have won a championship, I can go across the room. But the rules are the rules. (laughs) We don't—we we have to play by the rules. And this yep. ain't got nothing with motherfuckers on TV who get paid to talk shit. Mm-hmm. we talking about players. Right. we talking about players. We understand, like, yeah, hey, I'm not at a table with Bird. Imagine those guys. Hey, yeah, am I a great player? Yes, I am. I understand that. But there are levels and there is tables mm-hmm. to this thing. Steph went up last year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, he was already in the room. Mm-hmm. He got to come over. Like, Isaiah Thomas, he like, yeah, okay, Steph, come on over now.
10: Yeah. Yeah, come on <laughs> yeah. over now. I see
9: like, okay, because AI, uh, Isaiah, John Stockton, those are probably three best little guys mm-hmm. ever to play the game. Mm-hmm. And Steph was an all-time guy, but... Now he gets to move over like in the Isaiah category. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So man, but I and I tell him, I say, but I don't mind these guys. Like, I but see, the only thing I hate about, to be honest with you, these motherfuckers, especially KD, Kobe guys like that, are I, I did all-time greats. But I the only time I've ever gotten mad at those two guys, because me and Kobe had to stay one night. Remember that game where he wouldn't shoot? Mm-hmm. I, we had that game that night. I remember seeing that. And Kobe starts texting me, calling me motherfucker, asshole, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and it, Jack, it was one of the funniest things ever. So we got that game, and I see, yo man, I, as much as I love Kobe Bryant, what he did tonight was total BS. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't shoot. He took. I think he took one shot in the second half, and I was like, I didn't like that. Ernest said, "What do you mean?" I said, he was trying to prove a point. They were getting their ass kicked. He don't have a lot of help. I said, but that's what separates him from Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, like, when he played against the Celtics, he's like, no, I'm going to get 60. Kobe was trying to prove a point. I didn't have no help. So he starts texting me after the game. So, you know, we get off around 1, 2 in the morning. He texts me like 25 times, calling me every name in the book. And I'm <laughs> texting him back, yo, man, pick up the phone and call me. No, fuck you, fuck you, motherfucker, fuck you. But that's bullshit what you said. We go big. I mean, he called me like, and this goes on for like two, three hours. <laughs> and I said, yo, man, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Fuck you, motherfucker. Go to bed. <laughs> and it, it, it says, he texted me probably 20 times. And it was just, motherfucker, motherfucker, mm-hmm. motherfucker. And he, we see each other like months later. Says, man, I'm sorry. I said, man, you know what? It's all good. You you allowed to vent. We hug each other. That's basically like, what he was doing. Yeah. And then we hugged each other. And we were always cool. But it's never personal. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like what the, he did that night. Mm-hmm. But... The point I was going to make is these guys, like when I said, I had been saying for three years, that dude's the best basketball player in the world. He never called me and said, thank you. Mm-hmm. These guys, I can say nine great things about these you guys. They only hear that like, one. Not one like, Charles, thank you for the kind words. <laughs> <laughs> Nay, I never get that text. You know, KD played like shit tonight. Hey, fuck you, Charles Barkley. I'm getting that on Twitter and things like that. So that's the only time I like I get mad. I get mad, then I laugh. Right. They never call me and says, hey man, thank thank you for you. the kind word. Okay. But if I say one bad yeah, thing, yeah. They, I can say nine great things. They one to yeah. One, they go all <laughs> so me. And, I, and that's Reposted, yeah. yeah, that's the time. That's the only time I get mad. I'm uh-huh. like, yo, yeah, man, why don't you ever text me saying great when I'm saying how great you are? <laughs> right. Thank yeah. you. You ain't but, shit.
11: Are you all about the NBA action? You've got to try Pick 6, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can earn a 100% instant deposit matchup to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app and sign up with code ATS. Pick at least two players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Like will they score more or less than 30 points? Or have more or less than eight assists? Lock them in and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and get started with code ATS. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit matchup to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code ATS. The crown is yours. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18-plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick six not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick six states. Void where prohibited? See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos.
1: Question. You
8: mentioned Skip Bayless. Obviously, recently with the unfortunate situation that happened with DeMar Hamlin on the Bills, he just had an untimely tweet, and I think he thought that he could say some bullshit and then say something kind of, uh, you know, meaningful at the end, and we wouldn't see through the bullshit. That was brought to attention, but then also the way he's just kind of been disrespecting his co-host, and you have to see Shannon kind of take a deep breath every once in a while. What is just your take on what he is doing and just how disrespectful I feel like he is to players, and now his co-host
9: as well. Yeah. Yeah. Openly, openly disrespectful. So time. I really, I don't like the guy. Because television is a very powerful weapon. Right. Very powerful. One of my mentors is Mike Wilbon. He's one somebody I admire and really respect. And he did my last three books, and he's become like a big brother-father figure. But he said something very interesting to me. And I already knew it. He says, man, being on television is crazy. I said, what do you mean? He says, I've been at the Washington Post for 25 years. Did it all. Nobody in the world knew who I was. I go on TV for a year. I can't go nowhere without people running up on me. Mm -hmm. And I said, man, TV is amazing. Like, it's such, like, Everybody know who's on television, especially if you're successful and you're on television a lot. It is really a big, like, everybody watch television. And Skip, to me, when you, these guys are real people. And I don't mind you criticizing guys. It can never be personal. Right, that's it. And one thing I hate about the media, you can tell guys they like and dislike. You can't talk about people on television like that. You have to be fair and honest with people. And I think he is—you can tell who he likes. You can tell who he dislikes because he makes it personal. Like, you can't say bad stuff about LeBron James. But, but everything out your mouth can't be bad. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's but, impossible. Yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible. And I've said this before. I think LeBron James is the greatest sports story of all time. You know, you look at Kobe, Kevin, Garnett, Tracy McGrady. I think those probably three of the greatest straight to high school players. To Dwight. the pros. Yeah, it's probably Dwight. Yeah. He's great. Mm-hmm. But they all struggled yeah. in the beginning. He's been in his prime since day one. It, day one. That's why I said, <laughs> For him to come into the NBA at 18 years old, he was really good. We had his first game, I think, on TNT. Sacramento. Yes. Mm -hmm. He played really good. Mm -hmm. But in this generation with social media, he's never gotten in trouble. He's lived up to all the hype.
7: Brought his boys along.
9: Yes. I think it's probably the greatest story in sports history. I agree. Like, I'm like, to be, the number one, be as good from 18 and never really get in trouble in this society where people are out to get you.
7: Phones everywhere.
9: Everywhere. I think it's probably the greatest sports story of all time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just amazing what he's accomplished, what he's did, and never gotten in trouble. Yep. But to Skip's disrespect toward him, I do not like it. Yeah. The way he's treating Shannon, uh, clearly, hey, Tom Brady is the goat. We get that. We get it. You don't have to like shit on your man. That's your yeah. man, though, right? You don't have yeah. to shit on Shannon like that. Yeah. And, and, but first of all, this dude in the Hall of Fame—he <laughs> won three Super Bowls. <laughs> he was nice. He ain't chopped liver, <laughs> right? He ain't chopped liver. You, uh, uh, but he has—he's been rewarded so much mm-hmm. for doing that. Yeah, the way he has made his money and made his living—I have a problem with it. Because, man, if you make it to the pros, That's you're true. a hell of a player. Period. I tell people, hey, is everybody LeBron or KD? No. But that number 12 guy on an NBA team, mm-hmm. his journey is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His
7: story is amazing. Uh,
9: if you get to be one of the best 400 basketball players in the world... That and less, less right than
8: 5,000 to ever even play in the yes.
9: game. Yes, And, man, I, I love these guys. That little stupid ball... It's given me every single thing in my life. I ain't right. never had no real job yeah. <laughs> and don't want one. Don't want right. one. Don't want one. <laughs> hey, I admire these dudes who go, uh, men and women who work nine to five, and they're doing it for $27,000 a year. With a
7: smile on their face. And I'm
9: like, Damn. I admire you, but I don't want that shit. Mm-hmm. I want to dribble that little stupid ass ball up and down the court. Easier, yeah. I want to stay in the four seasons <laughs> in the Ritz-Carlton. I want to travel the country. Mm-hmm. I tell these guys, man, we the luckiest dudes Absolutely, in the world. By far. Whenever I get ready to kill over, <laughs> I just want to be able to say, thank you, big fella. I can't believe this. Yeah.
10: Mm,
9: for I like, man, because of that little stupid ass ball, I don't see in the world. I-, I remember one time I was sitting at the White House with President Obama. I was like, because my hometown only got a couple thousand people. Mm -hmm. I'm from Leeds, Alabama. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Leeds. Mm A couple thousand people. And growing up in the projects, I'm thinking, like, I ain't even thinking about sports. I only started playing basketball because I wanted to go to college for free. Never thought I was going to make it to the NBA. And I was like, sometimes when I go home and visit, I was like, man, I grew up in that project right over there. And I'm like, because of that little stupid-ass ball. I'm like, I can't believe 60 years later, and I was just sitting there looking at him. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. A little kid from Leeds, Alabama, is in the White House. And I got one of my most prized possessions is, <laughs> and I was laughing, he said, Chuck, you ever been in the Oval Office? I says, oh yeah, we go there all the time. And I said, Mr. President, hell no, I ain't never been to the <laughs> Oval Office. And there's a picture, he says, let me show you the Oval Office. And you know, he always was a photographer, and I didn't even notice the photographer, to be honest with you. A month later, it's a picture, got on my wall, cherish it. It's me and him standing in the Oval Office. And I can say, I didn't even notice. The the, the photographer, he ain't up his ass. He's like standing back, taking pictures with the president. And President Obama sent me this picture of me and him standing. And I remember getting a text from all my friends, telling me like, yo man, we so proud of you. I'm it's like, tough. what the hell are you talking about? And they're like, yo, man, it, there's a picture on, on the Internet of you and President Obama in the Oval Office. I said, I haven't seen it. And it came like a month or two later. And when I got the picture, I'm like, damn, man, this is so crazy and awesome. My little hometown, mm-hmm. seeing me. Right. Right in the Oval Office with the president of the United States, a black president mm-hmm. of the United States, mm-hmm. with all the racial bullshit that's went on in Alabama. Yeah. They're like, a black president, you in the Oval Office from a town, of a couple thousand people, it was amazing. Yeah. It's amazing.
7: So, and since you're speaking on Leeds, how difficult was it growing up there, you know, during the Jim Crow era and all that, why you was trying to figure yourself out as a kid?
9: You know, it's interesting. We didn't even feel any of that, to be honest with you, because it's so small. Mm -hmm. But now that I look back, Jack, shit is crazy. And you don't even know it because you kids. We don't know. Because that's like, we didn't even know we were poor. the norm. Yeah, like, we didn't even know we were poor.
10: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because everybody was
9: poor. But the shit is crazy. Now that I think about it, man, we had a black and a white homecoming queen. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's my first and time they, hearing that. I never heard. Oh, that. oh, oh, seriously. And the shit that's crazy, you're like, I guess they didn't want no drama. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't want no drama. You think? I mean, like I said, I don't, I can't prove it. Yeah, but they're like, no, we're gonna have a black and a white homecoming queen. Yeah, yeah. What's crazy, like, dude, we're taping this here in Atlanta. It was a controversy, like in the last couple years. Well, the kids wanted to. Uh, have a one prom. Mm-hmm. And some of the parents are like, hell no. Oh, wow. I mean, so racism exists, always has, always will. Yeah. And you just have to deal with the BS, as I call it. Mm-hmm. But like, these kids like, yeah, we don't want this shit anymore. We're going to have one prom. And some of the parents are like, no, nah, we're not... And there was right here in Georgia.
7: Stuck in their ways.
9: Like they stuck in their ways. But so, uh, but I... A couple things about Leeds. It was a great place to grow up, even though all hell was breaking loose in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. We're about 20, 30 minutes from Birmingham. You know, we had the church bombing in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Selma's right up the street. Right. Montgomery's right up the, uh, a couple hours away. My grandmother told me about it later, but we didn't know—I mean, because, trust me, we got the rabbit ears in, uh, on, the, on the TV, mm-hmm. so you're not really getting world view. Right. But my grandmother, the greatest person ever in my life, she made me learn who Nelson Mandela was. She made me learn who Dr. King was. Mm-hmm. She made me learn, make me learn who Mecca Evers is. She was such a great woman. But the one thing she always talked to me about was race. She says, now, listen— judge people, she said, because there are a lot of great white people yes. out here. She says, you don't grow up believing it's us against them. She says, these white people who, in my life, they're amazing. And that was really important, like, because there are a lot of black people who are full of shit, who like, they're not, uh, they're like, they're black, but they, they're they not helping our race. And there are a lot of white people out there who are helping our race. I actually learned what, what was really cool for me there's a great civil rights uh, hero named C.T. Vivian, who passed away in the last couple of years. When I was doing my documentary on race, I did a few years ago, he says, now Charles, I want you to remember something. I know you're trying to bring the races together. I want you to know there's always been a lot of race people being racial together. I said, what do you mean, Mr. Vivian? He says, you know, when we talk about civil rights, we talk about most majority of the black people you know Dr. King and those guys like that. He said, "I want you to let you know that there was a lot of great white people marching with us, got killed, and think." I said, "Mr. Vivian, I promise you, I'll make sure people know that." And that was really cool mm-hmm. because, and I and I, you know, you know, Jack, we get, and I'm part of the business too. We're in the media business, man. We get beat over the head so much on negativity because, mm-hmm. what's really crazy, negativity sells. Thanks. You know, I was, I was me and Ernie were talking about. Uh, mm. Me and Ernie have a podcast, and I was we were talking about Demar Hamlin, and I said, "Man, I was so touched by. I think they've upped to about seven, eight million dollars. 10,
7: it Ten million. It's close to million. I yeah.
9: said, "Man, there's so many great people out here, but in our business, we don't talk about the great people. Mm, no. We tell like, hey, hey, get on TV and talk bad about your coach and other players." We'll put you on TV. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but that's, and unfortunately, that's the world we live in, Mm -hmm. in the media. Like Prince Harry. I don't know this dude. Like, yeah, trash your brother. Trash the king. Trash trash everybody. Like, yeah, we're going to put you on every TV show. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he's telling the truth or not. I don't judge that. That's Mm -hmm. his truth. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, yeah, if you're going to talk bad about the future king of England, talk bad about your dad, who's the king of England, Mm -hmm. talk bad about your stepmother, like, we're going to put you on TV on every network. You can write a book. Yep. That's the world we live in now. Yep. Like I say, I don't know this dude, but that we don't talk enough about positive. No. And we just like, yo, man, white people, black people, all type of people gave this dude close to $10 million, as you say. Yeah. And they don't know him. Not, nothing. But that touched everybody. And I wish that we would—I wish positivity sell more than negativity. Mm-hmm.
7: I say this all the time, like two things. People will tell you, dang, you giving, you giving back somebody, but why are you posting it? But then again, if I don't post it, you say I ain't doing nothing for the community. It's, oh my God. It, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like crazy. It if you post to me, too, it, yeah. you, you're thirsty for it. But if you don't so, post it, you ain't doing nothing. But then again, it's like a lot of people don't understand, man, it's man, like- we it, just
9: had this conversation. I'm, number one, I, you, first of all, you're 100% correct. And I'm going to tell you why. So my goal, uh, I've been giving a million dollars a year away to charity. So, I started out at my high school because I want the kids to go to college, and I went to my college, Auburn. Mm-hmm. War then went, Eagle. Then I uh, War Eagle, brother. Then I did Wounded Warriors. Mm-hmm. But the last eight years, I did HBCUs, and I just did. Another one about two weeks ago, and Kenny says, Ernie, can you repeat that? He says, Yeah, Chuck, Chuck just gave another couple million dollars to Jackson mm-hmm. State, um, Jackson State and Bethune Cookman. shout out to Reggie Theos, who's the head coach there. And Kenny says, Can you repeat that again, Ernie? He says, Yeah, Chuck just gave his eighth million dollars to HBCU. He says, Chuck, why don't you tell people? I says, I want to do it because I want to give back. Mm-hmm. He, says, he says, and that's the, the problem. Chuck does all this. He don't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, if I tell everybody, they're going to be like, Chuck always bragging about how much exactly, money he gives to charity. Exactly. So I don't tell anybody. You still I say, get shit. Say, yeah, he's like, he don't do shit for the black community.
7: Mm-hmm.
9: Yeah, I said, yeah. yo, man, I'm not, as I tell my daughter, I said, let me tell you something. Don't you ever give these idiots power over you. Mm-hmm. If somebody said, like, I'm going back, way back, when she's a young kid. Shout out to my little grandson, just became a grandpa. Oh,
8: congratulations. Congrats. You know,
9: Ernie and Clark Kellogg, two of the greatest people I've ever known, mm-hmm. said, man, being a grandpa is going to be the greatest thing ever happened to you. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to be good. I know. I called both of those guys. I said, y'all right, man. This is the greatest thing ever happened to me in my entire life. Shout out to little Henry. It's the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. Number one, to see my daughter as a grown person. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the point I was making was, I told her, if somebody criticizes you, says bad things to you, you just keep walking, Mm -hmm. keep doing great in school, you would be a great person. Um, you already broke my heart when you didn't play basketball. I was like.
7: <laughs> <laughs> right, me too,
9: dude. It was so crazy, Jack. My daughter went to went to Villanova in Columbia. She's a great person. She's a really nice person and a great person. She's gonna be it. She's a great wife and a great mom. I'm really proud of her. But I gotta tell you something, man. So my daughter, when she was like two years old, she was like six feet tall, <laughs> and I'm like. I'm going to have the best female basketball player in the world. <laughs> I can't wait to teach her shit. I says, I'm going to send her to the best camps. I'm going to work with her during the summer. I'm all pumped, six feet tall, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm like, come on, girl, be a teenager so I can teach you all my shit. Finally, she become a teenager. I say, hey, you ready? We you ready? We start playing uh, I don't think she like basketball. said, I don't think she like basketball. Maybe this ain't it. I'm like, Christina, when those girls get close to you, pop them. Dad, I might hurt them. I said, yeah, that's the objective. I'm bigger <laughs> than they are. I'm like, yeah, that's an advantage. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay. okay, yeah, okay. Hey, uh, can we get together after school today? Yeah, of course that. What are we going to talk about? As you like basketball... Oh, Dad, I don't like sports. Yeah, right like there. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, I don't like sports. Okay, okay, just be a good person. I love you. You're the greatest. I love you. Go in the room.
7: <laughs> Hurt. I <laughs> <My daughter laughs> don't like
9: sports. I don't like basketball. And I, after I cried, I got over it. And I said, and I told my friends, I was, yo, man. My daughter just crushed me today. She told me she don't like sports. And I said, but you know what? She's a great person. She's a straight-A student. I'm proud of the woman she is. But, man, I was like, I spent my— You know, I'm writing down notes, teaching her the jump hook, the up and under. I'm going to work with her on her footwork. She's like, oh, Dad, I don't like sports. Mm. Uh, It was brutal. Mm, mm,
7: mm. I got five girls, so I know the feeling. (laughs) Um, You stay at home for school, Auburn. Yes. Um, any other schools was coming at you
9: and so, throw you know, some big bags your way? No, no. It's, it's, the thing is crazy, and uh, you guys don't even know this, man, I grew—I wasn't even good at basketball. You a growth spurt, right? Yeah. I went from 5'10 to 6'5 in one year. Yeah, I did, too. Yeah, so nobody even knew who the hell I was because they're like, I'm not on anybody's radar. And no schools will recruit me. I'm a 5'10 backup point guard. <laughs> Point guard. Yeah, I'm back back up, too. I'm not even no good.
10: (laughs) I I ain't even no good.
9: And so then it's too late to get recruited. So then only Alabama, Auburn, and UAB is recruiting me because everybody's already signed. So I'm leaning toward UAB because I'm really close to my mother and grandmother. Rest in peace, ladies. Thank y'all. Love y'all. Miss y'all. So only three schools, big schools recruited me. So UAB's in Birmingham, so it's right there. But they make it to the sweet sixteen and they got everybody coming back. Then Tuscaloosa's close. They actually make it to the sweet 16 and got everybody coming back. And they signed the best big man in the country who's from Alabama, a guy named Bobby Lee Hurt and Ennis Wiley, who was the best point guard in the country. So then I go down to Auburn. Auburn's lost like 12 games in a row. And I'm looking. And I said, these motherfuckers are awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so me and the coach are sitting there, and I said, Coach, you got a pen on you? You know, people bug me, saying hello, sign a couple autographs, blah, blah, blah. I said, Coach, you got a pen on you? He says, Oh, you big time. You're gonna start signing autographs and shit. I said, No, I'm signing them here. He said, What? He says, I'm watching our team play. These motherfuckers ain't no good. I can play here. (laughs) And it turned into the best decision ever, going to Auburn. But, Jack, I tell these dudes, you know, I talk to players all the time. I say, listen, don't talk to me about the education part, because if you want an education, you're going to get it. Mm -hmm. I said, your number one criteria is when you're deciding where you're going to go to college. is playing time. Mm -hmm. I said, because... If you go, especially if you go way somewhere away, if you don't get to play, it's going to be a miserable experience. Domino experience. Yeah, it's going to be awful. Your your school work's going to suck, but you're going to be homesick. Because what people don't understand is, man, everybody can play in college.
7: Yeah.
9: Everybody can play in college. Because when you're in high school and you're a great player or a really good player, you're only going to play against five to ten players who are on your level. Yeah, But when you go to college, everybody's on your level. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on your level. When you go play Vanderbilt, like, damn, they got good players. You go Mississippi State, I go Jeff Malone, Patrick Wells, mm-hmm. Dominique had Georgia, James Banks, uh, Vern Fleming, Terry Fair, and those guys. Alabama had Bobby Lee Hurt, Eddie Phillips. So the number one criteria, like, yo, man, you need to get to play. So Auburn gave me a great opportunity to play, and I got to play right away as a freshman. And uh, it was three great years, and I loved it. Any good stories from Bo with Bo Jackson? Well, so we had a great high school football team. You know, we all, you know, all the jocks hang out. Mm -hmm. So we played Bo's high school. And Bo's one of the few athletes— who the same size in high school as he was in college. God damn. He was a monster in high school like that? Yes. Like, everybody else get bigger when they go to
8: college. He was there already.
9: Bo, we go play Bo's high school, and it was one of the most amazing things. Like, every time he touched the ball, he just scored or or, or broke like a 15, 20-yard run. And I was like, he's already bigger and faster than everybody else. And like, he's bigger than our defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 but it was so beautiful to watch. And then he comes to Auburn the next year. And I tell people one of, one of the coolest things for me was get an opportunity to watch that dude play football every Saturday in person. And we are great friends to this day. But I, I just like being with that dude. But, man, it was such a it was a pleasure and an honor to watch that dude play football every Saturday. Mm, mm, mm. That talented.
7: Man. That's unbelievable. 84, you go in the draft. You go number five. Same draft with MJ and Akeem. What was the state of the league in 84 when you came in?
9: You know, I spent the last couple of days with Magic Johnson shooting the Capital One commercials. And I, every time I see him, I tell him, thank you. Because Matty Johnson and Larry Bird are the two most important figures in NBA history. I agree. What well, people don't understand, to answer your question, people look at this thing now where guys are making $30, $40, 50000000 million. When I came in, it, it was uh, David Stern's first year. The average salary was $200,000. dollars mm. Magic and Bird, those guys changed the entire trajectory of the NBA and made it what it is today. Because Magic, and I, I told him the story, I says, and I'm playing with Dr. J and Moses. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time Magic, when he made a million dollars, we were going around high-fiving each other. We couldn't believe an NBA player made a million dollars. That was Magic, he was the first player to make a million dollars. What year was that? It was 85, 86, somewhere in there.
8: But he sounded like it was like a 20-year. 20 25
9: year. years, 25 million. A million years. Yeah. Yep, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, like, me and Doc it. and Moses, like, right. I'm not talking about regular guys on the team. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like, they had never made a million dollars before. Mm. And, but it's all, so the state of the league was like, two black, a bunch of druggies, mm-hmm. a bunch of thugs. Gate, the finals were tape delayed. It's crazy. That was only one game a week, and it's all because of Magic and Bird, who changed the whole dynamic of the league. Mm-hmm. So every time I see those guys, they I want them to know, man, thank you. It took a kid from Leeds, Alabama, to like I say, I was able to build my mother and grandmother a house. Yep. I was able to send all my nieces nieces to college, my mm-hmm. daughter to the best colleges, because one of the greatest travesties of this country. The greatest country in the world is what we charge these kids to go to mm, school. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous and a joke because what we do is we eliminate probably 70 80% of kids who are probably smart enough.
8: Just yeah. don't have the opportunity.
9: They, they they can't borrow that much money. Can't afford it, yep. Like, it, it, I mean, you know, my daughter loved going to Villanova. Loved it. She loved going to Columbia grad school. There are a lot of kids who probably— Just as smart as my daughter, who got no chance of going to Villanova or Columbia, but because of economics, they can't go to those schools. Mm -hmm. So, man, uh, I wish we could find a way to do something about that.
8: Mm -hmm. Really help. Very rare for a top five pick to join a a staple team. And you spoke to Moses' importance and Dr. J. How important were those two guys uh, right off the bat as soon as you landed in the league?
9: Moses is the best thing ever happened to me from a basketball standpoint. So, Maddie, when I was in college, I played about right at three hundred pounds. my weight fluctuated between two ninety and three hundred. I was out, you know, that's only one meal. So I, <laughs> so yeah, only one meal. <laughs> it's only one meal. <laughs> so I play, I played about basically two ninety five. But I was having success. Mm-hmm. I think even to this day, I'm the only person. Guys didn't leave school early. You only left after your junior year in my day. So I think to this day, I'm still the only person to lead to SEC and rebound in three straight years. So I don't think anything that wrong. 295? Yeah. Damn. Oh, yeah. And Jack, I don't think I'm doing I'm having success. I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. Like, one of the hardest things in life is when you're successful to know if you're doing anything wrong. Right. So I'm leading the SEC in rebounding as a freshman. I'm leading the rebound uh, sophomore and as a junior, so I don't think that I'm doing anything wrong. hmm And I get picked number five by the Sixers. They ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, that's right. But I'm not, now I'm playing <laughs> with real players. Mm-hmm. Can't play at that weight, but don't know it. Just, you know, I'm a rookie. Hey, rookies ain't playing a ton. I'm playing some minutes. But then I'm not getting no quality minutes. And so Moses, me and Moses happened to live in the same building. Moses lived in the penthouse. I live on like the sixth floor, if I remember correctly. And I said, Mo, can I come see you tonight? And I said, he said, sure. And I called him dad, even to the day. And one of the most bittersweet things, people, his family knew how close we were. I got to speak at, do the eulogy at his funeral. I love that dude. But, so I go up, I said, Big Mo, why am I not getting to play? He's, oh, young fella, you're fat and you're lazy. (laughs) Plain and simple. I'm like, what? He says, you're fat and you're lazy. He said, Charles, can't play at 300 pounds in the NBA, young fella. You're too fat and too lazy. Can't work hard at 300 pounds. And I went downstairs and cried. Not gonna lie. And but he said, he says, you want to lose weight? I come meet you before practice. I meet you after practice. And I said, please. And this dude says, let's. And he did it in a way. That's how smart he was. He did it in a way. He says, let's lose 10 pounds together. Yeah. He, no, he said, let's lose 10 pounds. He met me before practice. Met me after practice. Mm-hmm. I get to 290. And I noticed, like, even at 10 pounds, I'm like, I can work a little bit harder. He's okay, let's lose 10 more. I'm like, okay, I get to 280. Now I'm actually getting to play. He says, let's lose 10 more. Now I'm at 270. Now I'm really getting to play. Mm-hmm. It's not because I can work. I mean, mm-hmm. 30 pounds a lot. Get to 260 now i'm starting Mm -hmm. now i'm really can working my eyes out he says i want to try something i said he says let's get to 250. i'm like okay shit, working i'm good i get to 250. now i'm really starting things are really starting to take off i actually got to 240. but i said but i don't feel strong he said 250 is your weight but he was so smart if he had told me to lose 50 pounds yeah. I was like, there's no fucking way I can lose mm-hmm. 50 pounds. There's no way. And I lost the 50 pounds and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. But for that guy taking me under his wing, first of all, he was already one of the best to ever do it. For him to take a little fat kid under his wing, it changed my whole life. It changed my whole life. So that's why and that's why I called him dad. And I just well, was really crazy, I just saw him at the Hall of Fame Friday, and as I always did, I gave him a hug and told him I loved him, and we hung out and had some fun at the Hall of Fame. That Sunday, well, I had to fly to L.A. the next day to shoot a commercial. I land in L.A., I got a hundred messages. Yo, man, you all right, you all right? I'm calling to check on you. I love you. And I'm scrolling, like, everybody's checking on me. I'm like, what the fuck? And then finally says, man, call me. They had found him dead Damn. that that morning. Because I'd been on a plane for, like, yeah, five so hours. It, yeah. And I was, like, I, I was so upset. I just stayed in my room the whole day because I didn't want to be friendly to anybody. We weren't shooting a commercial until the next day. I was like... I stayed in my room. I called my close friends. I said, "Man, I'm so this is such a fucked up situation." So apparently, he had he had went home to do his regular charity golf tournament, and he didn't show up. And they found him in his hotel room. So I guess he died in his sleep. But man, when I got when I was looking when I got that call, man, I, it was it was one of the worst days of my life. But I thank him for taking this little fat kid under his wing because. Man, you guys know y'all been around a long time. We seen motherfuckers eat their way out the NBA. Oh yeah. So man, Moses—he's the most important person, you know. And Doc was great, great. He taught me how to dress. He said, "Hey," because Doc was always immaculate. To this day. To this, yeah. He's like, Chuck, this is professional basketball. We don't dress. You got you—you you can't be wearing warm-up suits everywhere you go. He says we're professionals and um he taught me how to dress he taught me how to save my money he, like cause he says yo man how many cars you got i said i got like 6 he says well, how many can you drive at the same time <laughs> i'm like what do you mean he says uh why you have 6 cars uh, and i couldn't give him a good answer he said charles everybody know who the fuck you are he said, you ain't got to he said you ain't got to impress these people everybody know you charles barkley he said, son, take those cars back. You need one car. If you want two, that's fine. But the mother ones, take them back. He said, son, this money got to last you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. He says, I know you think you're going to play basketball a long time. He said, basketball is going to be this short a window of your life. Mm-hmm. Yep. He says, this money got to last you the rest of your life. And that was a great lesson. I tell these young guys, yo, man. You don't need—Herm but Apple says it all the time, you don't need but one house and one car. Now, if you want to splurge and get two cars, that's fine. But you don't need more than one house and one car. This money, Mm -hmm. it's got to last you the rest of your life. You you don't know how long you're going to live. And like I say, TV saved me, because I would have been broke, probably. Um, Because, you know, we as black people, for some reason— we feel this need to take care of everybody in our family. Man. And Grant Hill's mom, one of the greatest ladies I've ever met in my life, gave me the best advice, and I never listened to it. We were at the 96 Olympics, actually here in Atlanta. And Grant had just signed. like she's one of the greatest women. She, we just lost her. She's one of the greatest women I've ever met. And she was telling uh, me and her and Calvin, and Grant were having dinner at the Olympics. And she says, yeah, me and Kevin got to go back to work tomorrow. I said, wait a minute, Grant just signed, because I think Grant was the first person to signed a $100 million deal. I said, Grant just signed for $100 million. Y'all going to work? She said, Charles, sit your ass down. She says, let me tell you this. Do not take care of your family and all your friends. Do not do that. You're going to end up broke, but you know what she said is worse than she said, it's gonna ruin every relationship you've ever had. And I said, what do you mean? She says, number one, if you start giving your family and friends money, they're never gonna stop, never. But she said, the worst thing, the first time you tell them no, they are gonna hate you. Yep. She says, if you've given them $5 million, the first time you tell them no, mm-hmm. they hate your ass forever. She was 100% correct. And I said, well, first of all, it's too late. I'm taking care of everybody. And she says, if you can share my vision with these young black kids going forward, tell them they don't have to take care of their entire families and people in their neighborhood. That's no written law. If you want to do something nice for somebody in your family, that's that's you. But you don't have no moral obligation to take care of them forever. Mm -hmm. And man, I tell all these young black kids, man, you don't have no moral obligation. Like if you want to do something nice for your mom and dad and whatever, or your brothers and sister, nothing wrong with that. But to have them on the payroll and all your friends on the payroll. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. There's a reason 80% of professional athletes go broke. Mm-hmm. That's it. But you but but for some reason we feel just like, yeah, hey, I gotta take care of everybody. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Straight uh, up. Yeah. Uh Jack and I always talk, going
8: back to your two vets. Early on, the importance of having veterans in the locker room. I think the NBA is so young now that if you can't play, you're, there's no use. And and we speak to, for every reason you just spoke on what they did for you, the importance of vets in the locker room. Even if they're not contributing on the court, they're contributing so much off the court. What are your thoughts on that?
9: First of all, you are 100%. I've said that for the last 30 years. Every NBA team should have a Yadonis Haslam or somebody like Andre that. And I'm even talking iguodala And I'm even talking mm-hmm. ta- fuck the basketball part. That's right. gonna take care of itself. Life. Mm-hmm. These dudes don't know that, first of all, we don't even know how to handle a checking account.
7: Yeah.
9: Uh, uh, you know, we need to, like the thing we just talked about, like, yo man, why you got 10 guys with you all the time? Mm-hmm. Why are you taking care of 10? Ten- why why are they always with us? Yo, man, uh, go buy some suits. I remember I tell you the story about Dr. J, him and Maurice Cheeks and the guys, and I'm a rookie. I'm still wearing warm-ups everywhere. They take me shopping today. Hey, what you doing today? I'm like, nothing. I get to hang out with you y'all. They're like, we going shopping. They take me to Boyd's store. Boyd's is a, a famous clothing store in Philly. They're like, they're like, Chuck needs ten suits. 10 sports coats and slacks. They fed me up and looking in the mirror and shit. Maurice and the guys are just sitting back there looking. Yeah, okay, that's nice, that's good. Bill comes, it's like $32,000. I, I, I guarantee you, ain't nobody, my mom, my dad, my grandmother, ain't nobody in my house ever made $32,000 a year. Bill, It's $32,000. dollars they like, pay the bill, young fella. I call my agent. I'm like, wow. I called my agent. I said, yo, man, I need $32,000. They're like, what? I said, the vest took me shopping. They told me I'm dressing like a college kid. So they made me buy like 10 suits, 10 sports coats, jackets, and slacks. And like, yeah, that's the right thing. But stuff like that. Right. They're like, you know, and at that time, we were flying commercials. So we're in the airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Doc and all those guys, they're always immaculate. But you are 100%. And, and, you know, now they're getting to the, the change the rule back. We're going back to drafting high school, high school players. Yeah. The high school player don't know what the hell he's doing. Right? You know, they, like, they don't know how to eat. Like, now, the shit was funny in the day. It was funny when I said it on camera. Those two fish fillets and large fried Diet Coke I ate, probably shouldn't have been eating that shit. Mm-hmm. Probably should not have been eating it. Like, yo, man, go get a healthy meal. Mm. I would tell a young guy, now I know you can get the two fish fillets in a large fry at 21, well, 18, 19. That shit ain't gonna have no effect upon you. But you need to learn good habits. Go get their carbs To down. share it with your kids. Because, mm. you know, like I said, you don't. hey, you can share it. Like, obviously, I talked about earlier, wanted, you know, obesity, diabetes, those are big problems in the black community because we don't know how to eat. When you get in our position, like, yo, man, teach you how to eat. That's like, um, I teach all my friends about credit cards. I remember in college. Shout, you know, out, Capital least, One. shout out Capital One. Yeah, not, not, not <laughs> yeah, shout out Capital One, but like, you know in college they send you MasterCard and Visa. The Discovery Cards. Yeah, yeah. Burn them out. And I remember me and all my teammates, we go shopping like every weekend. And we'd be like high 5 each other like, man, we getting over on these white folks. Shit. We like... We bust buying shit, and then we were like, hey, man, we really getting over on these white folks. They sending us credit cards, blah, blah, blah. And then we pay the minimum. We go shopping every weekend. Mm-hmm. And then when I get to the NBA, my agent says, you got bills we need to take care of? I said, yeah, I got some bills. And He says, like, he says hey, man, what are all these bills you got? I said, man, we were getting over on those white folks. We were buying all this shit. He says, are you serious right now? I says, what do you mean am I serious? He says, so y'all been buying all this shit, paying the minimum, and keep buying shit. He says, son, you know how credit cards work? I says, yeah, you get them and you buy shit. You pay all that he down. like, <laughs> son, you're only paying the interest. And he says, you see this thing you bought for $2,000? At the rate you're going, you're going to be paying like $22,000 for it by the time you're done. And I remember, I said, what? He says, yeah, this is how they get poor people. They get they give you a credit card, you pay the minimum, and you don't ever ever end up paying it off. But by the time you pay it off, you paid like three times what it originally cost. And I call. I said, you need to go meet with all my college teammates. I said, man, we've been doing this shit the whole three years I've been in college, and stuff like that. A vet like you, you man, don't be right. to, like, You don't even know that, mm-hmm. and you can teach that to your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and so that's to go to, back to your point, like. Every NBA team should pay a veteran. like, hey, all our conversation are private, but I'm going to teach you about life. Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah. And, 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 and the thing is, just like, yo, man, I know the game ain't to 7 o'clock. I know you can stay out to 3, 4 in the morning and sleep all day, but day sleep ain't the same as a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. Shit like that that a vet will tell you. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like, Doc, they, they tell me sometimes, hey, man, we got a big game. Go to bed. I'm like, what? Well, hey, hey, day sleep ain't the same as night sleep. Mm-hmm. Like vets tell you, shit like mm-hmm. that. So, man, I'm 100 percent with you. Every team should have like a, mm-hmm. a, a a veteran liaison. Like, hey, you can ask me anything. I'm not gonna go rat right. to the team. Right. I'm not gonna rat, but. You're going to have to listen to me. Mm-hmm. I think stuff like that would be huge. Absolutely.
7: It, w- it will be because not only just teaching them about life, but I had guys like Steve Smith, Kevin Willis, to teach me how to be a professional, especially as a young kid. I'm coming into I know it's a game, but, no, you you used to job now. You yeah. got to be a professional. So all that stuff helped me be a uh, be a better professional. So that definitely matters oh, coming to the league. Yeah.
9: And, you, and, and the two guys you mentioned? Two of the best guys I've ever been
7: around. Yeah, solid guys. They're two of the
9: best guys I've ever been around.
6: What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18.
3: My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are busted. Can't coach. This is crazy.
1: may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com.
2: Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.
7: Uh, We recently had magic on our show talking about the dream team. (laughs) And uh, it was some crazy stories he had. Uh, Everybody got their own story of what went on. What's your take on on the, on the uh, Dream Team? It was crazy.
9: It was incredible because it's like, you know how, like, first of all, we all got tremendous egos. Mm-hmm. To be great, you got to have an ego. And with the perfect storm, so Magic was pissed because Scotty had just locked him up in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> so he wanted revenge. Michael, Clyde Drexler kept insinuating that he was mad at—he thought, I'm just as good as Michael right. Jordan. <laughs> yeah. And Michael's like, was ballistic. So you got those two matchups. You got me and Carl Malone, mm-hmm. who the, mm-hmm. we're the two best power forwards in the world. And we're like, motherfucker, we're the best two, but I'm the um, one. Yeah, I'm the. not two, yeah. Then you got Patrick and David trying to prove who's the best set in the world. hmm And— it was, like, we like, no, like I want you to know. Everybody was just, like, going at it like that. Mm-hmm. And it was so intense. And it was so much fun because we had respect. Like, yeah. Carl, Carl's one of my best friends. But, like, I want that motherfucker to know. Now, I'm the best motherfucking power forward in the world. The world, yeah. And I get a chance to prove it. You don't have John Stockton <laughs> and those guys, and I don't have my, like, yeah, we get to prove it every day. So you had that backdrop, so every day was like a game seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so intense, but we still remain friends after it was over, but man, our egos like like it was so it was so much fun, but it was in the practices I never I've never in my entire basketball life, I've never been in as intense mm-hmm. as those practices because everybody wants to everybody has something to prove. And, but it was so much fun, though, man. It was
8: awesome. Was it the passing of the torch, where it was kind of MJ's was kind of coming on his or I mean, he was there already? Oh, he was but, already there. But no,
9: he was, was already there. Magic Separate explains himself. as kind of the
8: passing of the torch to well, his it, NBA.
9: It, it was his NBA. Uh, you know, he was already the man. But what that did was it took us worldwide. Mm-hmm. And David Stern, who's a genius, mm-hmm. you know, everybody like. That made the NBA a, a, a real international game. Because mm-hmm. when you talk to guys like Dirk Nowitzki, they Steve Nash, mm-hmm. Detlef mm-hmm. Shrimp, great players, they're like, that's our first Tony Parker. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's the first time I really knew about NBA basketball. Because, you know, at that time, like, you know, I'm so old. People don't even understand. People think basketball always been on television. <laughs> there used to be one game a week on NBC, there was no ESPN hmm There was no TNT. So most people in our my generation, you, they don't, they don't, they couldn't get games overseas and things like that. Right. The, all those guys, when you talk to them, it's like the NBA, that was my first recollection of NBA basketball, was the dream team. Yeah. And so, but it was so crazy, man. I'll give you an example. So in our hotel, you couldn't get in unless you were on the dream team or NBA, uh, part of the Olympic thing. So from here to that wall was the bus. That was three to 5,000 people standing there every day just to watch us get on the bus, screaming the that whole was time. Barcelona? Was that Barcelona? Barcelona, yeah. I mean, like, they could only see us like 20 feet to walk to the bus. Mm-hmm. It was like three to 5,000 people out there every single day. Along the highway, because we had—this <laughs> shit's not crazy. On the side of the bus, we had a cop with a, uh, on on front and a guy with a machine gun. On each side of the bus, we had three police cars in front, three police cars in the back, and a helicopter above Damn. the bus the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So people knew we were coming. Mm-hmm. Along the highway, there must have been— Thousands of people just standing on the side of the highway just holding up signs. It was the craziest thing. Like, we're driving. There's people on the highway holding up magic, bird, Jordan signs. I mean, it was was surreal. I mean, it was like... And we were kind of in shock, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Because we didn't know how big it was going to be. I mean, we knew it was... Gonna be something, but to see it live, mm-hmm. like, yo, know, man, there's 3,000 people standing outside the hotel just to get a glimpse of us. Right. I mean, obviously, Magic, Bird, and Michael were the three guys, but like, we were in their flow. If I'm not That's mistaken, big. you led that team in scoring, though, didn't you? I led in scoring, yeah, and yeah. rebounding. It was easy, though. Yeah. It was easy, though. <laughs> yeah. was easy, though. Uh, basketball, <laughs> man, basketball was so easy to me. I got the best compliment ever from Chuck Daly. He pulled me aside one day. He says, you're the second best basketball player in the world. I said, who bet me? And I started laughing. We both started laughing because obviously Michael was. He says, I can get an appreciation watching you play every day. I said, coach, let me just tell you this. I said, I'm a really good player. I can get you 30. I can get you 20 rebounds. I said, it's hard to do it when the whole defense is, Stacked against you when you're playing in an NBA game. Yeah. I said, but when I'm playing with these dudes, easy. This shit is easy. (laughs) I said, I can score anytime I want to. I can get a rebound anytime I want to. I said, I says, I says, this like when I got traded to Phoenix, when I got MVP, I said, man, I've been a great player. I just got help now. Yeah. I said, I got Dan Marley and Kevin Johnson. Mm -hmm. I said, but I was a much better player in Philly. I just didn't have no help. Mm -hmm. I said, but my first year in in Phoenix, I said, wait, y'all giving me Dan Marley and Kevin Johnson and Ced Sabalos? Oh, yeah, we good. I mean, we good. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, but so it was, it was easy. If you're a great player, the game is easier with the better players you play with.
7: Round, mound, or rebound. the
9: nickname. So, if you go back and look at my history, so, we were trying to drum up support uh, at Auburn because, you know, we're a football school. So they came to me and says, hey, do you mind? Because they were going to do a story on me for Sports Illustrated. Uh, and I said, whatever y'all do, whatever, help the program because I need some help. I need some help. Because <laughs> we ain't no good. We need, I need some help. And um, they made a list of, like, Crisco Kid. <laughs> The wide load from
7: Leeds. Crisco Kid, wow. You was a ball-headed out. Crisco was, was Crisco. That, you know,
9: the gross Crisco. You the cooking oil. The, 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 the cooking oil. No, what, what it had to do the, with? No, just... just, just a, you like food? It something to do with food. <laughs> 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 yeah. See, you don't know the thing about that big-ass yeah. white yeah that, big yeah. Scuba, yeah, 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 that big yeah. scoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big scoop of Crisco, yeah. Uh, the blue jar, yeah. Crisco Kid. The Crisco Kid. Wide yeah. <laughs> load from Leeds. Wide load from Leeds. Bread Truck, um, the Good Time Blimp, <laughs> uh, the, bread uh, the Round Mountain Rebound. So they had— They, they call ha- them the Bread Truck now, yeah. All that money
7: you getting, yeah. the Bread Truck. Yeah. No, so they, <laughs> they, so they
9: had a list. Because actually, I remember doing something on camera one time. There was about 10 of them total of nicknames they had for me. And I think uh, Bread Truck—I was Bread Truck for a minute— and then, by, I think by the end of my sophomore year, I was leading the league and rebounding again. I think that's when it switched to round, mound, and rebound. Round, mound, and rebound. Yeah. But, man, it was the, like they were doing anything to drum up support. Yeah. Uh, that was good.
7: Yeah. That one stuck with you, though.
8: Yeah. Round, mound, and rebound yeah. stuck with you. Uh, obviously, you spoke to being going to uh, Phoenix. You traded to Phoenix um, after— the Olympics. What was that first experience like? I mean, I, I tell people I got a chance to play for one year, but I loved Phoenix, Scottsdale area. Uh, what was obviously the team was great, but what was that experience for you for the first time being out of Philly as far as a professional goes?
9: It was great for the fact, you know, when when, when we play an NBA game, you just go to the city. Sometimes you're only there for like twelve hours.
7: Right. Yeah. Right about it.
9: So I had never really spent any quality time in Phoenix. You fly in, you play. You might get to there the day before. And you know, you got stuff to do, you play, then you leave. Or you fly in after late, after game in the city, you play, sleep all day, play, then go. When I got traded there, I'm like, yeah, man, it's December, and we're walking around in shorts. I'm like, damn, we don't have to be cold all the time? Mm, Philly's cold as shit, too. Oof. Once it gets cold in Philly, it's cold a whole mm-hmm. year. You're like, nah, let's don't do shit. It's cold outside. <laughs> right. I'm like, Phoenix, hey, man, it's nice. Let's go play golf. It's December the 15th. It's 70 degrees. Let's do this. And we got the best record in the NBA. hmm And we had a couple pivotal moments. We get off to a slow start. The Bulls, we pick to go. Uh, so I tell these guys, I'm with the owner, the team. I says, okay, this is the deal. We're going to the finals. I said, I think I'm the best basketball player in the world. We're, go- we're going to the finals. We're this is at the beginning of the season. Yes. We're going to play the Bulls for the championship. And I says, I think I'm the best player in the world. Michael just got more help. And this is the deal. I don't need no bullshit. We're going to the finals. Nobody, we're going to get there. So we get off to a pretty good start, and I know Michael. They're hyping the game up. Best team in the East, best team in the West. They come in, and I know Michael well. They stomp us. (laughs) I go ballistic. I say, hey, man, I fucking told y'all. What we're gonna do? That motherfucker came here. He sent me a message, and we didn't meet the challenge. I said, "We ain't working for the job we got. We're working for the job we gonna have. Mm-hmm. We gonna have to get better and quit fucking around." I said, "We're not on their level right now." And that was the first turning point in our season. And we went on a long winning streak, and we got it together. And we uh, finished with the best record in the NBA. First round of the playoffs, Kevin gets hurt. No number one seed has ever lost. We're going to be the first. (laughs) We play the Lakers. Kevin's hurt. We lose the first two games at home. Mm. This best of five. After the game... We devastated. I'm like, damn, I'm in trouble right now. I got to figure something out. Our coach, Paul Westfall, just passed away. Rest in peace. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, I'm sitting in my locker. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? I got to get this team ready. We're going to L.A. tomorrow. I'm thinking, like, what I'm going to (laughs) do. The motherfucker rushed toward me, like 20 of them. Says, did you hear what your coach said? I said, no, I didn't. I was like, your coach said, guys, not going to say much tonight. They kicked our ass twice. This is what's going to happen. We're going to go to L.A., win game three. We're going to go to L.A. We're going to stay there and win game four. They're going to come back here. We're going to kick their ass in game five. And we're going to say what a hell of a series it was. And I says, oh, well, Coach is right. Let's go. I said, hey, our coach said it. And I got to tell you something. I don't know what coach was doing, but it changed. The the light came on in the locker room. And I didn't even have to ask no question about us choking the first two games in the five game. And he said, you guys guys going to be the first number one seed to ever lose to an eighth seed. And, man, we went to L.A. for game three. Them motherfuckers had Randy Newman. We love L.A. The crowd going, going crazy. crazy. We we played great. We actually beat them in game four. Bad. Come home for game five, it's a dogfight. And James Worthy comes up to me after the game. He says, now you better go win this thing. Mm. He's a young, he says, y'all showed me something. Go win this thing. The next round, we play San Antonio. We beat them in six. I think that's when I hit the the, the shot, the close down, the, 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 the arena. Three. That dumpy ass arena y'all had down there. Alamo Dome. Yeah, the, uh, the, no, know. Hemisphere.
7: Hemisphere, yeah. That I've was the that.
9: last game I ever played there. Now, and
7: that really was the end one because he knocked you down on that three. <laughs> yeah. That was the end one.
9: Yeah, and then we play Seattle probably the best seven games series I've ever been in, the best game i ever played in my life. Uh, game seven, when I had 44 and 24. Best game I've ever played in my life. I remember this. It was a great series. We win one and two, they win three and four. We win five, they win six. And I pulled Frank Johnson aside. He was like my vet to talk to the young guys. I said, hey, man. Because everybody's quiet on the plane. That's a long-ass flight from Seattle. Mm-hmm. I says, Frank, get back here. I need to talk to you. I said, what I got to do? Everybody's down. Everybody's nervous. Everybody's nervous for game seven. Not scared, just nervous. It's, it's hyper. Right. It's a long 48 hours for those game sevens, getting ready. And I said, Frank, I got to get this team. emotionally ready for game seven. What do I need to do? He says, oh, I ain't worried. We got game seven. I said, what do you mean? He says, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to the finals? I said, nope. He says, I got the best fucking basketball player in the world on my team. Mm -hmm. And we, we going, we going, you ain't going to let us lose game seven. And I says, what? He says, Charles, you told me you were the best basketball player in the world. You got one game to get to the finals. You ain't never been to the finals. He says, you better not let us fucking lose. (laughs) I said, We good. And I said, before game seven, I said, boys, we going to the finals, get on. Let's go, get on my back, we going. Mm. And that, I ended up playing the best game. You I said 44 and 24? 44 <laughs> and 24, <laughs> and the I, Western said, I did, final. I said, we going to the finals, y'all get on my fucking back, we're going, and we get to the finals. So game one, That's probably the most disappointed I've been in myself as a player. So we play in the Bulls game one, and you guys both been in the finals. It's different than the regular season, different than the playoffs. Totally different. Every motherfucker in the world is there. It's a bill. So we come out for game one, and my team is— The way I normally did it was I normally tried— to get everybody involved in game one to get in, on, at home. I'm more aggressive on the road because, you know, that's what stars do. They're more aggressive on the road. So game one, I was like, I need to get these guys started so they can get their confidence. Everybody's a little nervous. I'm not nervous, but these other guys never been in high-pressure situations like that. So game one, I was like, I was a little passive. They beat us. Game two, I said, "Fuck this shit! I'm going for it," and I said, "I'm a whatever it takes." And I come out, I'm fucking so aggressive, but Michael know I'm fucking aggressive. He's like, he, I can see he's talking to Horace and Scotty. He's like, "Y'all got to slow that motherfucker down," because Horace to me was one of the more underrated players. Him and Scotty, man, when they doubled me, it, I couldn't see shit long. They were so long and athletic. I couldn't see shit. But I still you know, I finished with like 48, 49 somewhere in there, 26, something like that. But Michael <laughs> fucking had like 55. Ooh. That motherfucker would not let me win that game. And I 20 remember and 20 though. Yeah, I remember going home. When I got home, my daughter was upset. And I said, I told her. I had told her before. I said, Ain't nobody in the world better at basketball than your dad, and we're gonna win this fucking series. When I got home, she was crying, and I was like, She's dad, I thought you told me y'all were gonna win. I said, I said, Christiana, I ain't never said this before. I think there's somebody better at basketball than me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you know, it's 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 Michael and Larry and Magic. I said. I love those guys are all great, but I said they're great because he has Kareem, he has James Worthy, mm-hmm. Michael got Horace and Scotty, and Bird got Michael and Paris. I said, I know I'm just as good as those motherfuckers, uh, but uh, they just had more help. Yeah. But I said, but going back to the 40-20 game, 24 game, I was like, I can will my team to win. But Michael, when I that night when I, I was like this motherfucker ain't going to let me win this thing. Cause like I said, like I, said, I had my 40-something, and he had fucking yeah, 55. To top so then, so I said, hey, you know your dad. He ain't never going to quit or give up. We're going to be all right. Right. So we go to Chicago, and that's a triple overtime game. We win. And I'm like, okay, I might can do this thing. The next game... This motherfucker go... Okay, so this... Uh, <laughs> Here you go. No, so the next game, I think he had another 55. He was going to end this shit. He was going to end <laughs> this shit. And they beat us. It was a hell of a game. Then, before game five, like, guys, we're going to be all right. So, before the... All day long, you know, you don't do shit. You can't go out, especially on the road. Is right. there back and forth between you and MJ
8: off the court
7: at no, this time? No. No, no, no. conversation. We,
9: we put our friendship okay. aside. Aside. Yeah. So then, all day on TV, these motherfuckers on TV boarding up the city, telling people to calm down when they win a the championship Preparing tonight. No,
8: championship,
9: yeah. No, no fires. Yo, man— by the time we got to the gym, I said, hey, man, ain't no fucking way we losing this bitch tonight. hmm Because, you know, I'm sitting there steaming the whole day. Every channel, you try to get away from that shit. Hey, we're boarding up the city. Uh, to, and, uh This weekend, the championship route's going to be here. Would y'all please behave? That's when it was
8: 2-3-2, two, two, right? There was it three in Chicago? It was all three. Back? Yeah,
9: the game five was in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And by the time we got to the game, I said, hey, man. hey, coach, let me speak. All the, we played these motherfuckers five times. Ain't no X's and O's right, right. now. I said, guys, we cannot fucking lose this game. That shit they were doing on TV today was so fucking disrespectful and pissed Boy. us off. Mm-hmm. And we won that game. And then uh, obviously we lost it back at home in game six. On the three-pointer. But, man, when I got to game five, I was like, ain't no fucking way we losing, guys. Because we sit there and watch that thing. And talking about they were boarding up the city, talking about act like y'all got some common sense and don't be going crazy burning up cars and shit like y'all did the last time they won the championship. Mm -hmm. So I was, but, man, stuff like that, I missed that.
8: Mm Mm-hmm. MVP that season, but lost in the finals. We recently talked to Magic about, um, you know, his back and forth with Isaiah and, and Isaiah's and MJ's beef or whatever that may be. Um, you and MJ were really close. Yes. And haven't spoke in some time. Is there, is there light at the end of the tunnel with that? Do you feel like you guys can mend that?
9: <clears throat> that would be on his end, Matt. Um, he was my best friend at the time. And I love the guy, and I miss the guy. But, you know, I got to do my job. What I said was, I said, uh, first of all, I don't think it's fair for me to critique other GMs and coaches and have a double standard. That goes back to the Skip Bayless mm-hmm. thing. Like, you can tell the guys he like and guys he dislikes. I think I'm fair to everybody. What I said about Michael, I said, I don't know if he's ever going to be successful because of the people around him. I think he hires too many of his friends and because your friends don't ever tell you no. The hardest thing about being famous is because you're paying all the bills. They're on your private jet. Mm -hmm. They're not going to tell you when you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And I said that I didn't because he was struggling as a general manager running the team. And I Mm -hmm. said, I don't know if he's ever going to be successful because the people around him are never going to tell him no. And like, yeah, don't draft that dude. No, we need to trade that dude, blah, blah, blah. And he went ballistic. And he called me and <laughs> uh, that's the last thing I heard was, motherfucker, fuck you. You're supposed to be my boy and blah, blah, And I said, man, man I got to do my job. And we haven't spoken since that night. And that was probably close to 10 years ago.
7: Mm. I I kind of agree with that because you know he, they traded me after I brought him to the playoffs for the first time. Yeah, they do make some bad
8: decisions over there.
7: (laughs) I just want to throw that out there.
8: They do make some bad decisions over there. Uh, So after the finals, you launched your signature shoe. Uh, Leeds, Alabama. Did you ever think that you would have your own Nike shoe?
9: You know, my relationship with Nike has been amazing. They're great. Uh, Howard White, Lynn Merritt, Phil Knight. Those are three of the most important people in uh, my basketball career. When was your first signature shoe? I think I started getting them back in Philly. Uh, uh, Did you have a signature shoe in '96? Oh yeah,
7: yeah. I, so this is why the reason why I'm saying that. I want to tell them the story. So my high school state championship. My my family was poor, couldn't afford no shoes. We get there, my shoes are from the team, but I've been playing them all year, so they raggedy. Mm-hmm. I'm talking
8: about... I, I, I know get, how your toenails cut through leather. Yeah, my
7: shoe was terrible. Yeah. 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 And um, my uncle shows up, they they wouldn't let him back, but he shows up in the back, like, for the locker room. So when my teammates come get me, and he got a box of shoes, I'm not knowing what it is. I opened the box, it was the black and gray Charles Barker. Oh, my goodness. And I, the, Yeah, them Fab five Fives. I played in the state championship and them shits. Uh, you and a well, a fresh too. pair oh, no we won <laughs> we won but just to have a fresh you know what I'm saying? i had a fresh pair and i wore them shirts for about 3 years straight after oh, i believe <laughs> it. You, you
9: know you talk about that situation so obviously I grew up really really poor so my mom rest in peace she always made sure i had a good pair of shoes mm-hmm. she bought them to the game she took them right after and hey after the game she's knocking on the door tell Charles to bring them shoes here mm-hmm. I didn't get them. I couldn't wear them. I could only wear them. She bought them to the game, came and got them after the game, because they had to last me the whole season. Now, once the season's over, I could use them. Mm-hmm. But you talk about growing up poor and getting shoes and things like that. It's so crazy, yeah. this shit that's happening. You, th- you now, think about yeah. how, how lives have changed so much. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, like, I tell that story, like, yeah, my mom used to bring my shoes to the game. I, like They had to last the whole season. And she came and got him right after the game, yeah, mm-hmm. and I didn't get him back until. The, and so, man, some of this stuff you think about our lives now.
7: Yeah, I'm sponsored by Jordan now, so
9: it's so crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's just a crazy blessings, a blessing, blessings. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell people all the time, man, I got the honor and the privilege to be Charles Barkley. It, it, it's such a, a blessing. Mm. Yes, it is.
8: So the Fab Five, obviously one of the greatest college teams ever, uh, decide to wear your shoe. And, and continue to kind of really entrench it in the culture. What are you thinking as you're seeing, you know, these young black kids in Michigan and their new style and, and they're wearing your shoes yeah. on top of it?
9: Yeah, you know, it's it's, 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 uh, it's crazy. They were such a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. They were such, you know, it's kind of like I get to watch March Madness now. I used to watch it a lot when I played because it's just great. And now I get to broadcast March mm-hmm. Madness. And I tell people, everybody should go to the Final Four one time in their life. There's two things you should do in your life if you like sports. Final Four, Saturday, and the Olympics. Uh, My job at the Final Four is one of the craziest, coolest things I've ever got an opportunity to do. But also, the Olympics. Man, no, TV doesn't do the Olympics justice. You go to the Olympics and to the Final Four, but to see those young kids... I mean, man, what they accomplished will probably never be accomplished again. Two, two, to get to the finals, two years, to the final four, two years in a row with the same group of freshmen and Young boys, right. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it, well, obviously not because, you know, kids leaving so early. It'll never be done again. Mm-hmm. But it was incredible.
8: Mm-hmm. Your famous line, I'm not a role model, came around that time. Speak to that.
9: Probably the most important thing i done, uh, done or did, I'm not elo- 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 eloquent enough verbally all the time. So that was a big deal for me. So, you know, you know, part of our job, we get to speak to kids a lot. So we still have too many segregated schools in this country. So, especially in Philly, we speak at a lot of different, Like, and, and I think players should always at least probably maybe even once a week go speak out of school, because these young Black kids especially look up to us. And so, but what I was noticing was, when I would go speak to them, but I always talk to kids about education, because one thing we need to value more, especially in the Black community, is education. I think we get so enamored because most of the famous Black people they know are rich because of sports or entertainment. Or music, yeah. They don't realize that most people have to get a real job. Right. So. My thing is, when I was going to these schools, I said, well, how many of y'all want to play sports? And I noticed in, at the black schools, pretty much every Everybody. kid raised their hand. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But when I go to a white school, I said, well, how many of y'all want to play sports? Only about 10% raised their hand. I said, what do you want to do? I want to be a doctor. Mm. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an engineer. I want to be a teacher, a fireman, policeman, things like that. So I kind of start. Paying attention for, like, a couple years. I said, guys, um, we got too many black kids think they can only be uh, successful through athletics and entertainment. They don't think they can be doctors and lawyers and engineers and shit like that. And I said, we need to do something about that. And so (laughs) I call, I I meet with Nike. I say, I got this commercial I want to make. They're like, you're fucking nuts. They're like, you're fucking nuts. And I said, no. I says, he says, you're going to get killed. I said, that's fine. I can handle it. I said, Dude, I play in fucking Philly. I thought my name was Charles Barkley, you motherfucker, for like five years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there's nothing, gonna, I'm not going to be offended or upset by anything like that. And he says, are you sure? I says, I'm positive. So I made the commercial. Obviously, it blew up in craziness. And I said, and I went on to explain what I was trying to do. And it turned into a real positive thing. And in fairness to Nike, they came back to me later and says, hey, we were wrong. We, 90% of our letters we got were so positive on that wow, commercial. Dope. And I says, all I was doing was trying to just start a debate because I've got to get these black kids to stop thinking they can only play sports to be successful. Right, right. And like I say, I just wanted to start like a debate. And it turned, it turned out to be perfect.
7: Mm-hmm. Cause I'm forty, I'll be forty-five in April. You a role model to me. So. Oh, absolutely, thank you, I appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. But yeah. I,
9: but I think these young brothers, man, and sisters, like we can be doctors and lawyers yeah, and engineers, anything. But but they don't think that. Right. They don't think that because they don't see it. They don't see mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. They, the only famous, they see how much money we make. Yep. And they see us jocks and entertainers. I'm like. Y'all do know we got black doctors, right? Yeah, we lawyers, got black lawyers, judges, we got black engineers, judges, judges. Yeah. But they're not—they're not in their neighborhood,
8: right. right? Yeah, gotta see it to believe it. Um, on your way out the league, you get a chance to go to Houston and play with Clyde and the uh, King.
9: What was it like playing with those two? That was very difficult for me to be honest with you because I was—I really didn't want to leave Phoenix. So the Rockets called me on the phone. One of my friends worked in the front office. Robert Barr worked for the Rockets. And he says, hey, man, if we trade for you, are you going to want a new contract? I'm like, man, what the fuck are you talking about? He says, the the Suns are shopping you. I said, the Suns ain't fucking shopping me. I'm the only player we got. (laughs) And I said, dude, the Suns are not shopping me. He says, Chuck, let me ask you a question. If we trade for you, you want a new contract. I says, dude, I got a contract. He said, are you gonna hold out for a new contract? I says, dude, stop it, the son. And he's a good friend of mine. And he says, I says, I called the sons. I said, hey man, are y'all shopping me? Like, nah, man, you the only player we got, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay. Three hours later. <laughs> That's crazy. Charles, <laughs> are you gonna want a new contract and we trade for you? I said, yo, man. I talked to the Suns.
7: Ain't nothing going on. Ain't
9: nothing going on. Charles, I'm asking you this for the last <laughs> time. Are you going to hold out or anything if we make the trade? I'm like, yo, man, no. Because at that point, I knew they were full of shit. The mm-hmm. Suns were. And they made the trade. And I had to make the best of it. Uh, I enjoyed playing with Akeem and Clyde. I hate that we were all over the hill. And we had uh, two good years where we lost. I think we lost in the conference finals one year. I got hurt one year. Yep. Mm-hmm. I got hurt one year, mm-hmm. and then we lost in the conference finals. And I always want to thank uh, Rudy Tomjanovich because my last two years, I couldn't play dead. He treated me great. He treated me great. You were dealing mean,
7: with back issues, right, around the time? I was just a...
9: couldn't jump anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I was old. I was, But he treated me great, and I went to him. I said, Coach, can I come off the bench? He says, you sh- you sure? I says, I'm not sure. I'm fucking positive. <laughs> and, and, but I couldn't play, but they, they treated me great, which is all you want as a player. Because mm-hmm. I, I I was winding. Uh, it was the end of my career anyway, uh, and I wasn't going to leave no money on the table. I said, right. <laughs> I said y'all— Yo, I ain't gonna say lead to my last two years. I said I can't play, but I'm, I'm gonna finish these next two years out. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I, I really appreciated Rudy and the Rockets treating me with class.
7: Yeah, it, g- it gave that championship feel back to Houston when you came, yeah. even though y'all didn't win. Like yeah. it was, it was good times. You know, I enjoyed the city too. I enjoyed it. The, yeah. yeah, it was they good times. The there. It was a good time for yeah. the city when you was there. What are your biggest observations of the season so far? Home stretch. We about to almost done. Yep.
9: It's awful basketball. I hate to be the old get off my lawn dude. Nah, I'm with you. It's awful basketball. No defense. No defense. And it's become a three point shooting contest. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that bothers me, and people are like, oh, you just mad because you didn't play. I said, no, 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 no. There is strategy in basketball uh, to just go to the gym saying, we're just going to jack up threes all night. And if we make them, we win. If we miss them, we lose. And the only thing that bothers me, I said, "Hey, all your motherfuckers can't be good three point shooters." Right. I said, "I said, wait a minute. If you're a good three point shooter, all y'all motherfuckers ain't Steph and Clay." Right. I said, "I don't mind guys shooting threes, but your big guys are shooting threes now." Hmm. I says, "If y'all just gonna have three point shooting contests, uh, just say it." I said, "The big guys don't post up anymore." Joel Embiid's the best big man up there with Joker. I said, they're the only two guys who post up realistically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I said, but I I don't—I said, hey, uh, y'all play how you want to, but if y'all just going to go out and shoot threes all night, but uh, that's fine. I will tell you this. I said this the other night on the show. I got zero idea who's going to win the championship. Mm -hmm. It's hard to tell. I said, Denver's going to finish with the best record because I think they got the best team, but you're going to need a dog— you're going to need a dog at some point. And I, I think it's going to be Jamal Murray. I said, he's going to be the key. I said, greatest joker is. At some point in a basketball game, you got to get a ball to it. I said, this on the air. I said, he said, hey, get me one. Mm-hmm. And I says, Jamal Murray's the guy who can do that. I love what they went out going to get uh, Brown, Brown and KCP. Yeah. And so Denver to me looks like, man, they're going to be a handful. But— my, I think my sons are done. Because uh, once you lose that chemistry on a team, I don't think you can get it back. And I think they've lost it. Mm-hmm. They don't like each other. And once... Because I think you got to... Every team has cliques, but you have to like and respect each other if you're going yeah. to win. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee and Boston, I think they're, they've separated themselves in the East. And the, the, the intriguing team is going to be... Brooklyn. Uh, it, it, I think it's going to come down to Ben Simmons. Because I think KD and Kyrie are going to do their thing. Mm-hmm. But Ben Simmons is going to be the, the, the wild card.
7: He has to be a factor somewhere. Yes. Like either, either be the defensive stopper, or, you know what I'm saying? But he's just out there right now. Yeah. He's not doing nothing. not
9: doing anything. And so, but man, it's going to be interesting. But that's the beauty of it, man. Yep. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to win this thing. Mm-hmm. And they think it's going to be well-deserved. But right now...
8: It's hard to tell.
9: I, uh, it's gonna be interesting.
7: Anybody in today's game remind you of yourself?
9: Not really, because you know <laughs> they just nobody plays physical. You can't first of all you can't play physical. You know I had to play physical because I'm a six five guy playing against big dudes. I got, I mean
7: Zach Randolph was the last guy yeah, I, I was. Oh yeah,
9: it, it see Zach, Zach and the Joker. I love watching them play. Because everybody can play when you can run and jump. Yeah, when you playing above the rim. Yeah, but when you have to use your brain and your body, that's why I love watching Jack, uh, Joker, mm-hmm. and Zach play. Mm-hmm. Now, I really love that boy Giannis. Him and Russell Westbrook. I've never seen NBA players play harder than those two mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. You know, even at Russell, he, does he have flaws? Yes. But I'm never going to say anything bad about a man who plays that hard every single night. And
8: plays every almost every
9: game. Every game. And Giannis, he's the same way. He plays 100% effort every single night. And you have to admire that. Got to. Yeah.
7: Who is the best player in the league right now to you?
9: I would go with Giannis. Yeah. I would go with Giannis. Um... KD is probably the best offensive player. But Giannis... But Joker's ridiculous. hmm <laughs> I mean... That dude is ridiculous. That's the last two MVP winners. Yeah. I mean, he is ridiculous. I mean... But, you know, Joel's fantastic. Steph. Steph. hmm I mean, so it's some great players out there. And they're fun to watch. Yeah. Yep. I just wish... They would bring a little bit more strategy into the game instead of just saying, hey, man, let's just jack up a bunch of threes. That's what's going
8: <laughs> on, too. Quick hitters, first thing pop popped to your mind, let us know. This is going to be a big one to put you on the spot. Top five all time. Who's in your top five?
9: Michael, Oscar, Wilt, Kareem, Bill Russell.
8: Those
9: are your top five. Kobe, LeBron, Tim Duncan, Hakeem, Jerry West. Those are my top ten, and then you got Magic Bird, Shaq, Steph is right there in that vicinity. Elgin Baylor. His top,
8: his top ten was nice. Can, can can any current player crack the top ten by the time they're done? In your in, in your top ten, in your opinion? Psst,
9: st- <laughs> <laughs> Look <at> that face. <laughs> no, uh, that's a cause that's a great question. Yeah. Steph is knocking on the door. If Steph wins one more,
7: it's going to be hard not
9: to. It's going to be hard not to put him in the top 10. Did you have Bron in your top 10? He's seven, okay. after Kobe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's so fun. I had an argument with a dude. He, he's the biggest LeBron fan in the world. And I says, yo, man, I didn't put Steve Nash ahead of LeBron. No disrespect. <laughs> I put Kobe Bryant. Yeah. I said, and I love LeBron. I said, but the difference in my opinion, I says, Michael and Kobe will kill you. Really? Like nothing. I, like, over, I said, I, like LeBron's a nice guy. I says, ain't nobody ever said Kobe and LeBron uh, and Michael were nice guys. I said, those words ain't never been spoken. Nobody, nobody ever said, man, that Michael Jordan's a nice guy. I'm like, they did? Who said that? <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> the they Same know thing him. with Kobe. And there's nothing wrong with that. But LeBron, he's just a nice man. And I got him 7
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah. One album you can listen to on repeat. I want to hear this. I want to know what kind of music you listen to.
9: Well, it's so funny. I had a bunch of people over last night. And it's so funny, Chuck D gave me a vinyl about a year and a half ago. So I've been out buying albums, and I had all the Capital One people over at the spot last night. We're getting drunk, and we've been tired of shooting.
7: Yeah.
9: We listened to Public Enemy, mm. Tupac, Tupac. Uh, Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, the good old days. The Eagles. Are you on vinyls? (laughs) The Eagles, Uh, dude. I've been shopping. I got about ten new vinyls for Christmas from different friends. And I and I bought a record player about a year and a half ago after Dre got me that because I had because that's old school. I had record player growing up, and I didn't know they were making a comeback. Mm -hmm. But I got when Dre when uh, excuse me when Chuck gave me that vinyl. About a year and a half ago, I went out and bought me a record player. So I've been going to a record store like once a month, picking out. I just I just got uh, uh, Thriller, the new Bruno uh, Bruno Mars. Oh man! But like I say, most of my stuff is uh, Jay Z, Tupac. Biggie. Okay. And, man, we had it blowing up last night. It was was going going down. (laughs) (laughs) It was was going down. Yeah, we had been working, like, 12-hour days for four days in a row. Mm-hmm. And man, we everybody left town this morning, but we let it go last night. I yeah. <laughs> mean, we were going at it hard.
8: I love it. I love it. Uh, Kenny briefly spoke to this when we had him. Your first impression when Shaq came to the crew and he brought his DJ set, his Hookah Lounge, and all this kind of shit right off the ring. <laughs> you seen him shake his head right off the bat.
10: <laughs>
9: so. <laughs> <you're> like, <laughs> So, you know, we in a we're in a in a room, we got like some, it's actually like something like this. We have every game on and a bunch of networks. Shaq's mm-hmm. in another room smoking hookah. <laughs> he loves hookah, loves it every day. And he's in there smoking hookah they like, and then he's practicing his DJ stuff. He apparently he's pretty good DJ.
7: No, he is.
9: Yeah. And like, loud as hell. Loud as hell. He's smoking hookah. And we go in like, yo, man. Which, <laughs> so <laughs> it, 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 it's crazy. He's in there practicing this DJ thing. And finally they said, yo, man, you can't smoke hookah in the building. He goes out in the parking lot and he's smoking hookah. And he loves it he loves <laughs> it. he loves it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh he and he just makes us laugh man yeah because he's got a pure heart
10: oh you know? man
9: but man when he first came there but the thing that was really funny he come like the first night he'd, he'd do something funny second night he'd do something funny third night he'd do something funny and then he says then he says like hey i need you guys i need you guys i want to try this next week we're like yo yeah, man you know we're on TV like a hundred and some days. You can't try to do some shit <laughs> every night. Out top each other every year. <laughs> so, so seriously, so we're like the joke around the studio became like, "Hey, we like five shows with Shaq setting himself on fire on TV." <laughs> five shows. because <laughs> like, like, he was actually thinking like, "I've got to outdo How do I myself. Top myself every week." We're like, "Yo, man, we're only four shows in." <laughs> We got a hundred shows. And that, that's when we came up with the joke. You, What do you think about it? show 10, 12? He's going to set yourself on fire? And that became the joke. And But we're like, yo, man, we don't have to outdo ourselves every Each night. show. Yeah. That's we, I says, the only time we have to come up with shit is when we, we got bad games. <laughs> he says, when we got good games,
8: the games this work. the easiest right, job right. in the world.
9: Dope. I said, because we're on from 7 to 1.30 in the morning. I says, if the games are good, we're good. Mm-hmm. But if we got shit games, we gotta make people still watch. That's when we have to come up with silly Entertain stupid shit. Yeah. I said, so, so let the game play out before you come up with some shit. So I so, but it's been fun, man. Jack
7: be at home writing shit up. I'm doing this today.
9: Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, like, we like, yo, man, let the game play out. Because, uh, like I say, you want people to watch, but they're not going to watch from 7 to one thirty if it's shit games. Right. So let the games play out. Mm-hmm. But now he's got it, man. He's
7: yeah. got it. Mm-hmm. Best boxing fight you've ever seen live?
9: Well, mm-hmm. I've seen a 100 of them. Right. I would probably say Hagler Hearns. You was there live? Yeah. Wow! Ooh. Oh, I was there for Houlderfield, uh, the bite, the bite. Yeah, I was there for the bite.
7: For Hagler Hearn's though.
9: Yeah. Oh, I, I was there when. Oh, oh, So it was so funny. That was in Vegas. So you know, we we you know you play golf all day. And you're getting your drink on. Mm-hmm. I love to drink and mm-hmm. love to gamble. So <laughs> we see this motherfucker circling. And we look up. I said, man, this motherfucker real close to the ring. Ready to bow fight. Yes. Yes. And I, they're like, man, shut the fuck up. You just drunk. I said, no, man, this motherfucker up on one of them gliders up here. About an hour later, motherfucker's in the ring. <laughs> that was this past you, just <laughs> <left>. <laughs> in the ring. Yeah. then they whoop his ass <laughs> They his his ass. whoop his the shit out of him. <laughs> <They> <laughs> I remember remember ass. Ass. But I've been, oh, I'll tell you a funny story about boxing. I'm with Magic, Michael, Patrick Ewing. Mm.
1: And they party.
9: they're all like. Early in my career, I'm a young buck on the totem pole. They make me go get drinks. And I come back, and Tyson already knocked this motherfucker oh, out. Oh, you
8: missed the fight.
9: <laughs> are you fucking serious right now?
8: These motherfuckers are laughing at me.
9: I'm walking out with two buckets of popcorn and some drinks. I walk back. Fight's over. They, and they just fucking laughing at me. I'm sitting there, i like... I uh, don't uh, no, fuck this. I'm I, I so man, I I've been b- boxing and football are my two favorite sports. Yeah, yeah. because uh, you know, I played football for one day. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did. For one day. I did, for one day. I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing this shit. I was sitting there bleeding, hands all beat up, everything hurts. What position? Defensive tackle. Okay. I'm sitting there, I'm exhausted. I'm bleeding a couple places, head hurting. Coach says, I'll see y'all tomorrow. Right, I'm not doing this shit tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not doing this shit tomorrow. <laughs> no, nah, hell no. Nah. I'm done. And I like <laughs> coach, so I take my shower, fold my shit up, me. That's a coach. This ain't for me. Yeah. I was thinking that the other night when that young kid, Lamar, got hurt, man. The reason football and boxing are my favorite sports it takes take courage to go out there. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. You can't be soft and play football mm-hmm. or box. You cannot. And so that's why they're my two favorite sports. Like, I tried it for one day, and I'm like, yeah, this shit is not for me. Different. And that's why I admire football players and boxers. I said, you can be soft and play basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, there's no soft football players or boxers. You can't you play be, boxers. You can get hurt in those sports every single time you lace them up. And that's why they are my two favorite sports.
7: You can't you can't play boxing, but since I'm with Showtime and I do a lot of stuff with boxing, I would like to invite you to one of the fights coming. Up. We got a good card coming up the rest of this year, so I'd like to invite you yeah, to the fight. Yeah, you
9: invite. know, I, first of all, I'll take you up on that. Don't think it bothers me about boxing. These dudes won't fight each other. Yeah, yeah. It really pisses me off because, you know, I look at Ali. Mm-hmm. Him and Frazier had three. Mm-hmm. They had three. You don't, and you, I don't understand why you don't want to fight the best. Mm-hmm. Like, I would want to know, hey, who's better? Who's better? Hey, and let me see. If you beat me, let me get my ass back in the gym and see if I can get better.
7: And I hate people say, well, it's the Floyd era. Floyd fought everybody.
9: Floyd fought everybody. He didn't duck nobody. He fought everybody. The only thing a problem I have with Floyd, he waited too late to fight Pacquiao. Pac- yeah, yeah, but he yeah. did fight. Fight he everybody. Fight everybody. Yeah. He fought everybody. But these young boys, they all want to be undefeated.
7: Yeah, yeah, that like,
9: O. Yeah, they they want the O. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand though, because I would want to say, "Hey, he beat me the first time. I got better and beat him the second time. Mm-hmm. Now let's have the trilogy." Three out of
10: three,
9: and. That's you want. Can you imagine in our sport if somebody said oh, we won the East, we're good. We're not gonna play the West. Yeah, Fuck nah. West. <laughs> you won't be able to accept that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, no, we the Eastern Conference champions. We got We get. Yeah. Yeah. What's well, yeah. good enough? Hey, yeah, that ain't good enough. But that man. So that's the only thing that bothers me about boxing. But I love yeah. it.
8: Yeah. Hopefully, I get back to it. Yeah. Um. Obviously, you probably met everybody in the world. But who's the coolest person you got a chance to meet?
9: But Denzel was great. Jack Nicholson was great. Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah, that's my guy. Huh. That's my guy.
9: Jack Nicholson, uh, when I met Sam Jackson for the first time, it was, I still want to meet, you know, in these commercials, we uh, Willie Nelson is in it. And I told Spike, I said, Spike, why in the hell did you tell me you were going to be with Willie Nelson? I want to meet Willie Nelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Idris Elba. I want to meet him. I met Eddie Murphy one time. It was pretty cool.
8: Yeah. I heard you said you met Snoop one time.
9: Oh, I was excited to meet Snoop. Yeah. I mean, it's not often. I met Dr. Dre a long time ago. Uh You know, Snoop a living legend. Absolutely. It was pretty cool to meet him. Uh I I want to meet Eminem.
8: Mm. If
7: anybody get a chance to hang out with you, because I had a chance to hang out with you, the big three. Yeah. As soon as I walked up to my yeah. boy, we had a chance to yeah. speak to him good. As soon as you saw me, Jack, hey, he's with me.
9: He tell him to hey, he's with me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I, good care of I, Hey, man. We're in the same fraternity. Man, yeah. right. Anybody's in my fraternity, we're good. You know what it takes to get to the NBA, yeah. both of you.
7: And after sports. Yeah.
9: But you know, like, if you get to the game, I'm like, I respect that. And, and they because, able to stay, too. Because, like, the way this thing work is we all play high school. A couple more—only a couple move on. Yeah. Get to college, play there. Even less. Then to get, then you get to the big boy, even less. Yeah. And if you get there, you're like, damn, man, much respect. Mm-hmm. You got to the dance. Yeah. And everybody's trying to get to the dance.
8: If Everybody in the world. Yeah. The
9: whole world. Oh, real. The whole world. Literally. Final
8: question.
7: If you could see anyone on our small on our show, who would it be? But. But you have to help us get your answer on the show. We had everybody on your show already, so. But you went to college
8: with someone we really want. Yeah. Who? You watched his high school football game. Yeah, you it. Yeah. Does he do interviews?
9: He does not. He does not. I, I haven't seen I, but him do anything. But I tell you what, I will call Bo. You have my word. <laughs> Thank you. What, I Bo, you appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. You have my word. I will reach out to Bo. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Big fan. Yeah. We, Big we
8: DM fans. each other, and I ask him, and he'll like, kind of laugh around it. So if maybe if he you hey, put the pressure on him. He's a
9: good dude, man. Seemed like a great knows? dude. knows podcast? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does he? <I>, Hopefully. Oh, <laughs> you have my word. I'll reach out to Bo.
8: Appreciate
7: it. That'll be huge.
9: Who else? Y'all have Obama?
7: No. 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 Oh Samuel! Oh, no. Sam? Well, I, I'm looking up to Samuel because I'm starting my acting. Yeah, lately, late. Yeah, 44. Yeah, he didn't win his Oscar to a yep. year ago, 60 something. So yeah, I look up to him. Samuel Jackson. Any, anybody in your Rolodex yeah. will do. Yeah, anybody yeah. in Rolodex will
9: do. You know, I so the thing I like Spike. So, uh, oh Spike for sure. Yeah, that's easy. We ain't
7: had Spike. Spike either. That's easy. Yeah,
9: that's right. I let me tell you this: when they when they approached me. Four years ago, uh, they pushed me in earnest and says, You guys wanna do a podcast? I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope, nope. I don't wanna do no fucking podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, no. And then we were in the middle of the pandemic. I'm like, well, these motherfuckers are still paying us. Let's help them out. Yeah. Best decision I made. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to motherfuckers. Cool people. They never in my life. Mm-hmm. We had Dr. Fauci on. Dr. Fauci. Uh, we had the chef, uh, Andres, on last week. Mm-hmm. We got Sally Field on next week. This week. Next yeah. week. Next week. Um, you know, we've had— uh, You guys, you, you guys, you should have on here is Masai Ujiri. Yes. Uh, Toronto. He's unbelievable. Yes.
7: yes, my brother.
9: Oh, Yeah. We had Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. We had Kirby Smart on last week. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. We've been doing this. but man, people to, to, to learn about somebody that you would never cross paths right. with is pretty interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that I, I, it was one of the best decisions. And they and just like you guys said to me, they would be throwing names out there. We're gonna try to get this person. We're gonna try to. And we're mm-hmm. like, yeah, that'll be cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, keep doing it and getting crazy people on there. Like, there's people you was like, ain't nowhere in the hell I thought I'd be sitting in a right. room with you, mm-hmm. getting to ask you questions. Right. And it's pretty special, man. Thanks for having me. But also man, even, you know,
8: here. having you and some we looked up to our whole life, get to have an in-depth conversation yeah. with you. Normally it's superficial or yeah. surface because we don't have that kind of time. But for you to sit down and really chat, man, we,
9: two hours. Well, we let me appreciate say something that. because I don't do these because— I got a lot of love and respect for both of y'all. The only reason I'm doing it, because I don't do sit-downs because, number one, I'm like, motherfucker, I need you to watch me. I don't want to give all my <laughs> yeah, shit exactly, away. Exactly. Exactly. I want to give all my shit away. I want you to watch me. Yeah, you right. motherfucker paid me to get people to watch. Right. Mm-hmm. And if I go on TV, on everybody's you, show. Yeah, I said, no, I said, but I said, oh yeah, yeah, let's make it work. And I'm glad because when we when we when you first hit me, I was like, fuck, I'm shooting commercials. And I said, okay, I'm so glad y'all were able to stay. Because mm-hmm. I was like, man, I because, you know, you know when you shoot a commercial, you show up like 7 in the morning, get out of there at like yeah. 8, nine, mm-hmm. ten at night. I, day said, I said,
8: Chuck, we make any day work. You just yeah, let me you know. And gone. I said,
9: hey. Let's make it work. So, thank you, brother, nah, for making it work. You, man, appreciate, appreciate you, O.G. appreciate you, here. Keep it up, yeah. man. Appreciate it. Here thank we got you so some, we, we got, got some merch for you. you. Hey, man, I like free shit. <laughs>
7: yeah. And I know you like gear. <laughs> yes. And you can get that all the smoke gear at allthesmoke.store, yeah. store. If you would like to be fresh like the O.G. Chuck, <sighs>
8: yeah, allthesmokestore, you, smoke store, well, you man, can get it. man, that Chuck, we again, we appreciate you, man. We appreciate the path you've you, you've opened up for a lot of us. Again, you know, you you fell on it, upon a whim, and you've mastered it, and you continue to get better. And we look up to people like you and look up to you in particular, and we appreciate everything you've done for the game, everything you've done post-career. So thank, thank you, you very much hey, for that.
9: I owe it. Because the game's giving me everything. Yeah. I want to share it.
8: Yeah. Thank well, you. Thank well, that's you. that's a wrap. Charles Barkley, All the Smoke. You can catch this on Showtime Basketball YouTube and the iHeart platform Black Effects. This one's probably going to come on Linear TV, though, so you're going to be able to catch Hold this it. one on Showtime. <laughs> so we'll see you all next week. Peace.
1: may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com.
2: Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia
3: vaccine. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not with 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled